0: Talk radio? Yes, talk radio. It's so boring, man. Okay. Mamma mia.
1: Yeah. Mamma mia. John Thornton centering pass through the blue. The puck comes to the other side. Mazzaro's with a shot. Blocked by Mike Weaver. Up the middle. Dale Reese in
0: alone.
2: Substitute for
0: speed, Dale Weiss, 3-0 Montreal. And Jim, no substitute for sacrifice either.
1: February 18th. This is the Laced Up Hockey Podcast. Mm, that came quickly. It did. 18th. It's a short month. Well, the shortest, actually.
2: Yeah, I mean, but that doesn't really change how quick we get to the 18th. Like, it's not like we lost, like, the 7th to the 10th. You know? Like, it's still 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14,
1: 15. We should do, like, 16, a, a big A big February, like a week off. Everyone just sleeps.
2: Isn't that what reading week's for? It's kind of like hibernation. You're on reading week. I am. So that's, that's what that's for. True. Right? Isn't Um, it? They should call it napping week. Nap week. Yeah, I
1: think they want to promote productivity.
2: Well, yeah, yeah, well, (laughs) who are they fucking kidding? That's fair. In Um, this essay, I will determine that.
1: Happy, uh, happy President's Day (laughs) to uh, any U.S. listeners. And, um, do we have any of those? Happy Family Day, I guess. I, did, no. I didn't know this was a holiday. Like, I, I knew That's fucked. we made a new holiday. But I, I thought Family Day was in January.
2: So we have plans for this afternoon, and when there was a group of us talking about making the plans uh, for this afternoon, someone was like, yeah, you know, like, let, let's do this on, on Monday, because it's a holiday. And James is like, holiday? What holiday is Monday, you idiot? Yeah. Yeah, it's been Family Day for, like, I don't know, what, ten years now, maybe? That long? I feel like it. Maybe really? Maybe not. Maybe I... maybe it's because Family Day is so uh, entrenched in my heart and and held so close That's to my.
1: Good memories on Family Day have you?
2: I don't remember a single one. Nope. I, I got to tell you, I don't think I'm going to remember this one a year from now either. That's fair. Yeah.
1: Um. Well, I guess we'll just get right to it because there's a. It's a. It's a big, 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 big it's a busy week. week. Busy week. There's no fucking around. A lot of, no, a lot no, of things happened. No time to fuck around. A lot around. of things might happen. Mm. Um,
2: wow! uh well yeah, yeah. Um, oh, uh by the way yeah. I'm Bruce Bataglia from the North side oh, yeah. this is and Lace and Up I'm, a Hockey I Podcast yeah. yeah okay um yeah time to go we got to we got to get it going here uh we
1: are going to be just about as busy if not less so uh than the department of player safety mm. uh they had a big week mm. um handing out a, a slew of suspensions um let's start from what should have been um the the largest hmm. and and work our way down, I guess. I think um, it
2: is the largest, but yeah, barely. Yeah, uh, not by enough.
1: Zach Cassian,
2: yeah, kicked a dude, kicking dudes.
1: I don't even remember who he kicked. Sorry, Eric Chernak. I didn't. Of the I 10th didn't Bay really Lightning. like. It didn't really matter who. It was more. Okay, did it
2: well. Yeah, <laughs> shouldn't kick anybody. No. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter who you're kicking. You shouldn't be kicking anyone with a hockey skate on.
1: Like no.
2: it, 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 it's just like. If the NHL was not concerned about blades flying around, then you'd be allowed to kick the puck in the net. You'd be allowed to do a lot of shit with your skates, but you're not allowed to do anything with them other than keep them on the ice. Um, and Zach Cassian decided that... Like, like here, here's the thought for me. Is, within that moment, say they were playing roller hockey, would you try to kick a dude in the face if you were kind of in a scrum, like on the ground? Not really. So... So, how is that the appropriate response when instead of wearing a Timberland boot, you're wearing a fucking Graf hockey skate? You tell
1: know? me, to like, tell me just just beyond that, tell me what sport it would be okay to kick someone? That's in the right. Face.
2: Like, other than the UFC, soccer, not okay, cleats. Yeah, gonna hurt. Not, not good. Baseball, there's a rule against it. Cleats, cleats. Like you, you get suspended if you lead with your feet a certain way in in baseball. Yes, and. This is a sport where, t- where you got to keep in mind, where you don't get suspended for blatantly cheating. But you do get suspended heavily for leading with your feet. They have cleats on. Cle- a lot of these cleats are made out of rubber. A lot of them are made out of metal. A lot of them are made out of rubber. We're talking about a steel fucking blade. There's a joke in a movie about a guy trying to stab someone with a hockey skate. And that's a joke. Everyone's like, ha, that would never happen. It did. Happened in the NHL in front of, like, millions of people. For every freak Richard
1: Zednick, Ilya Mikhaev, Clint Malerchuk play, there, there's been more of those than that I've seen, anyway. Attempted kicks. I don't think
2: I've ever seen this before. Yeah. I can't think of a time. Now, Cassian <clears throat> makes the argument that he hits him in the chest and that there was no intent and, you know, like, like, I could have kicked him harder or something he said like that. He said something where he was trying to justify the kick. He's trying to push him away from me. If you missed his that part of his chest by about three inches, you probably would have slit his throat and killed him. Like, I'm not being dramatic here. That's what would have happened. Because it's not like we're talking about, or at least I assume we're not, talking about beer league players that don't sharpen their skates for a year and a half, and you're fucking kicking them with effectively just a dull piece of metal. I'm assuming Zach Cassian had his skates sharpened like an hour and a half before that. Uh An hour and a half real time we're talking about because there's no way he fucking played 90 minutes of that hockey game. He had been out there for like four minutes. Those skates are still pretty fucking sharp, man. You shouldn't be kicking anyone, kicking anything, nothing. Like like and 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 here's the fucking here's what pisses me off about this guy is this is the same fucking guy who was bitching about the code. A few weeks ago. This is the same jackass who's bitching about Matt or Matt Kachuk not wanting to fight him. And, and and he says that's a disgrace and all this shit like that. And then meanwhile this guy's going out there trying to kick a fucking dude in the face. Like what the fuck is wrong with you? The code. Give me a fucking break. What what fucking code? Like you know what I mean? I, I, according to the code, Zach Cassian should be doing nothing but getting fucking jumped for the rest of his hockey career. It's fucking disgraceful, is what it is. It's a joke, and, and, and this sport that's already having a hard time marketing itself around the world, this doesn't do it any favors. This is a joke.
1: Yeah. Um, furthermore, even like even more kind of disturbing in a way is that like below Chernak in the in this little scrum that ensues is a is an Euler teammate. So now you're not even just swinging blades towards the guy that hit you. Like you got a, a, a teammate right below your foot. If someone moves the wrong way, we're talking about something completely different this week, as opposed to uh, a suspension because he, he kicked somebody, and nothing really came of it. But like the the implications here were, were through the roof of what could have happened. Yeah. And you just it, you just you you boggle the mind when you think about what this guy could have been could have been you know thinking going through the motions there, but. Uh, this is his second suspension of the uh of the month I guess uh,
2: after the two games
1: he got for the kachuk incident
2: um, his comment was if I kicked him hard, I think he would have flew back or the ref would have called a penalty
1: good I, I, stuff I don't know how you come back from this like obviously he's That's gonna fine. he's gonna serve his nine games or his, what, seven games seven. You got seven games and a uh, little gonna, over two weeks. They're going to put him back in the lineup because they need him. Because it's the Oilers,
2: and we're all going to look the other way.
1: Uh, yeah, and
2: and I mean that's like that's another hilarious thing too. Is like I, I've gone on record, and I'm going to go on record again by saying I don't like the Edmonton Oilers right now. I don't like the way that team's built, and they bother me. But like, if this team had any backbone. Cassian wouldn't be playing the rest of the year. Like they would admit that Department of Player Safety made a fucking mistake, and they would be saying that we don't condone this behavior. And and but they're they're gonna run with it because they're gonna say, well, if Department of Player Safety doesn't think it's bad, then neither do we. Which, yeah, I get that. But I don't know if, if this happened and I were behind the bench, I wouldn't be putting that fucking guy out there again. Hmm. Fuck that. No. You're out of your mind. Like, I, like, I, 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 I we coached a kid one time who did, had a swing and stick incident, and I wasn't running the bench. But if I had ever been running a bench, that kid never would have seen the fucking ice again, because you know, even in minor hockey, you have the ability to make these decisions and hold people out if they blatantly break rules. Like, you, you you're allowed to do it. It's a written rule that the coach has that discretion.
1: Yeah,
2: that's in minor hockey. In the NHL, you can certainly sit out who the the fuck you want for whatever reason you want to sit him out for. And this qualifies for me. Because not only uh, is he a a, a guy on a destructive path that is clearly unstable, uh, he's also bad at hockey. So, you know.
1: Yeah, um, I I think I've I've made my uh, feelings on uh, Zach Cassian very evident um, over the last few episodes. So... Um, it's ridiculous, like, and, and you're right, like, the, you know, the coach does have that option, but in a way, he shouldn't. In, in, a, in a way, like, there is, there's no reason that Zach Cassian should even have the option of playing again this year. The suspension should have yeah. been.
2: Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I'm not necessarily putting all the blame on the Oilers here, because they shouldn't be put in that position. Right. But... You know, at the end of the day, I still think that they have every right to, to, to give them more, and I would.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, it, like, don't get me wrong. Not I mean, only does
2: it break NHL rules, you would have to assume it breaks code of conduct rules for the club as well.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm all for getting rid of headshots in the game, and I understand that there's a reason we have suspensions that go along with headshots. But this is this is worse in a different way. This is This is so much worse. For sure, it is because if you if you if you see this happening and, and it's you go, not far away from attempted murder, right? And the next guy now is going to think, well, gee, I'm only going to get seven games.
2: Yeah, that that's the thing that scares me too. Is this kind of sets it up where you know the way I look at it on a broad scale is if I'm a player in the NHL, it's like, well, where where do we draw the line anymore? Hmm. Do and do we draw the line? Because to me, this is something that is so far on the other side of the line. That shouldn't ever be happening under any circumstance. You know, you you can tell an accidental kick. Sure. You know, you, you yeah. can't you can't yeah. honestly tell me that. Yesper uh, Brot was it that that cut uh, yeah. Makayevs? Like, you can't tell me there was any intent. There, Brot didn't even know he was there. Yeah, he it just happened. It was just a freak accident. Like same thing with Zednik. Zednik same thing. Like like and, and never before. Like we could go down the list of all the shit happening. Donald yeah. Audette getting cut. Like all <laughs> these guys that have gotten cut. Clint mallarchuk
1: there was a guy in the Kings last never, week. Never you know, intent. Just the way he fell. The guy skate came up. Oh, yeah. Okay. Nothing serious. But he's, you It, it does
2: happen dead. often. It's just it's not always serious when it happens. But, like, I don't think I've ever seen an incident of legitimate intent.
1: Yeah. Malicious, you know, you're trying to kick a guy with yeah. a blade on your foot. There's
2: no gray area yeah. on that one. Like, that's exactly what he did. Yeah. yeah. The video is right there in front of you. You know?
1: Yes. Um, speaking of, uh, we move on to the next uh Suspendable offense, which was um, Evander Kane. Um, he got uh, three games for an elbowing incident hmm. um, against uh, Winnipeg Jets. Neil Pionk, I believe, was the uh, intended victim there,
2: and um, he had been running around. Sure, all night going after Pionk is a thing, right? And, and that's part of the the contributing factor. Is he gets three games, and I'm not so sure that that hit itself usually gets three games. Um, but Evander Kane's game is worth a three-game suspension that night.
1: Sure, and he's a repeat guy, for sure. Yeah, which doesn't um, help. but interestingly enough, and um, I'll, I'll, I'll set this up by saying I agree with the suspension. We could argue about the length, but I, I think the way he was acting that night and, and, you know, what he did was a suspendable offense. Um... But Evander Kane goes to Twitter uh, after the uh, you know suspensions announced, and he starts putting out clips and, and commenting on different videos and actions. And I'm not gonna lie to you, he makes some good points. Like he he throws a, f- a couple of plays out, at least uh, the two that come to mind, and no suspension called on them in terms of games missed, either one of them. Uh, the chara cross check uh, that uh, happened against Gallagher got a you know you got a fine, but uh, I don't know it, it's we're in this weird world where Evander Kane's making some some points that I agree with and I'm, I'm I feel a little wrong inside, I feel a little dirty.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Did you think uh, did you think three games was the right? Would you would you have gone more for, for Kane? Would you have gone maybe a little less?
2: Um. Well, I, I mean, it was funny that it happened on the same day in which Cassian would later get seven games for trying to kick a dude, yeah, and and Evander Kane gets three games for a hit that you know may or may not have resulted in an injury. Uh, I don't think it did. So it's it's kind of funny the timing of the day. What a Valentine's Day it was for the league. And I agree basically everything he was saying because. What he was doing is calling out a Department of Player Safety that, um, I think, as a whole, has not really done a good job There's under been George no Parros, and that's the issue. Is yeah. is I as I feel like George Parros George Parros has done a good job at one thing, and he and he arguably has kind of even lost that, and, and it's the fact that he stopped giving out automatic one games. He's given out two. He's given out threes. He's starting to. to Whole players accountable in a to like in a matter of speaking, but what he hasn't done is provided any consistency for the league to the point where these players have no idea what they can and can't get away with. And we're watching guys, uh, you know, uh, lick lick dudes and fucking kick dudes and uh, sl- like cross check them in the neck. And you take a look at Evander Kane throw two or three somewhat routine hits, you know, like not clean, mm. but. You know, hits that you actually do see all the time. Like, Travis Dermott has taken a few of these hits already this year. There's been no suspension on anything like that. And, you know, Neil Pionk's had that happen before. I want to say it was against Chicago. Like, these things happen. And for Kane to get three games, it kind of does look like they're starting to target certain guys. Now, having said that, um, they're targeting guys who are out there on the ice targeting other guys. Right? But, and they're targeting Evander Kane because Evander Kane has, you know deserved to be watched a little closer but I agree with him in the sense that there has been no consistency and and to say that his hit is worse than all these other hits this year is is kind of brutal because I wouldn't even put that in the in the top like 20 worst hits I've seen all year yeah
1: the uh the one that Kane shared Wasn't too clean, was was but... uh, Kraus taking out uh, Charlie McAvoy yeah it's the exact same hit yeah
2: and Kraus should have been suspended yeah, for sure, sure. he should have
1: but that's the, that's the problem is that there's the consistency. So if if, if Krause isn't, Kane shouldn't. Yeah, you know uh, if they're both suspendable, maybe you give Kane an extra game or two because he's a repeat. That's guy. what I was gonna say. So is, is
2: is you should be giving Krause three and Kane should get four, or Kraus should get one right. and Kane should get two, or yeah, you know what I mean? Like like you can you can you can go the Brandon Shanahan route. And say he's getting three games because this person got three games for what is a very similar hit, and he's getting another game because he's a previous offender dating back to this date, that date, blah blah blah, and it's like okay, like I get it now. Whereas now the NHL player safety is like ah three games, yeah, okay. Would you care to elaborate a little bit? Like like do do you mind showing us your math on how you got to that fucking number? And they won't. Because they don't know. They have no idea what they're doing. George Paris has no idea. He has has no fucking concept of what it means to be a disciplined fucking hockey player. He's an absolute ridiculous choice to be doing that job. And we're we're taking a guy who went out there and his whole fucking job was to beat up on other guys. And now he's the the leader of Department of Player Safety. And meanwhile, you got a guy like fucking Paul Correa or someone who doesn't even get a look, despite them having their career ruined because of guys like George fucking Peros. You know what I mean? Like, it's an ass-backward system where we're, we're going to put these... Like, even Shanahan, when you look back on it, kind of a weird choice, did a great job, but Shanahan wasn't a fucking scout, boy scout out there either. You know?
1: Yeah, there's, And there's not really a perfect system, and I, I don't know if there ever will be, but in my mind, you know, you, you talked about Korea, and you compare that to Peros, and then... To me, I think you almost have to go with some sort of a, a committee. It can't be one, no, guy, I agree with one guy doing this. And... But that's
2: supposedly what it is. It's Department of Player Safety. Well, and all the time, all we hear is fucking George Peros, George Peros, George Peros. Where are these other guys? Yeah. Where is this department? Like, it, it, it's easy to make up... A fucking department. I'm the I'm the uh, part of the department of editing this podcast. Like, you know what I mean? I'm the only fucking one who does it. I'm not. I'm not blaming you. Oh, but I'm just saying. You know okay. what I mean? Like, like it's easy for me to say I'm part of this department when I'm the only fucking guy. Like, and hold this phantom group of people accountable. Like, is George Paris the only fucking person who works in that department or not? I, I'm
1: gonna say no, but I'm gonna say uh, that the department is probably. Where are these like, other dudes?
2: There's probably like ten guys
1: that just watch the games. And then they'll they'll email George Peros. Hey, look at this. Hey, look at this. And George Peros will be like, Ah, I found one or two that I like. We're gonna oh, move on.
2: Oh, it's it's not even that. Have you ever been? Have you ever been to like a McDonald's at seven o'clock in the morning? And there's a group of old dudes in the corner, like nine of them, just sitting there talking about like, you know, I thought Gary Sanchez should have bunted on that uh, that last at bat there that night. It would have got him on base. It would have set up the next guy. It's like before the point. These guys finished, are fucked.
1: Harry Bernstein and back in the '40s, oh, yeah. you know, he had that deli down on Front Street. What are we talking about? What, 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 what happened to the, the play that we're talking about? And George Peros just going back every every second day. Yeah. I remember when I was fighting so and so back in Anaheim? And what can you maybe make a decision on this hit?
2: And... They're just sitting there with their buddies, eh? Like all from the NHL, like Colin Campbell sitting there. You got Rick, the schedule maker, sitting there with them. Yeah,
1: Rick. Big fan of Rick. You think Rick and George get along?
2: I had to call Marty at Little Caesars Arena last night and tell him that they gotta cancel that Twenty One Pilots concert.
1: He um, wasn't too happy. Real quick, anything on the Chara cross check? Yeah, I mean, he got suspended. Uh, there. I think it was two thousand dollars, five uh, like thousand dollars.
2: He got fined. I want to say he got fined five thousand yeah. uh, dollars, which is the maximum allowable under the uh, CBA collective bargaining agreement uh, section. The, the, cool. Um, yeah, should have been suspended for sure. Yeah. One one game. Like I don't think it was like anything crazy either, though. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing, right? Like, like I say, one game. Nobody gets suspended one game in this NHL anymore. So it's either zero games or two games. Hmm. Like, no, you're allowed to fucking suspend a dude Like, you don't have to go to two, George You know you can go to one You spend a guy for one Like, even if though he's a previous offender Like Zdeno Chara is You can still suspend him for one game Yeah Right? Yeah And doesn't really seem to understand that either So, yeah, of course Chara should have been suspended He fucking cross-checked a dude in the neck It's not a good thing to do, either mm-hmm. um, Yeah it, Very it, similar it, to at the hit that game Kane to me, had right? last
1: year in the playoffs Right? comes off the bench and... Him and the referee get tied up, and he gives the guy, and he just happens to catch him on the shoulder up into the neck. Yeah. And this, if anything, this was worse. So, I mean,
2: when you really consider it, too, and it's not like I'm, trying to, I'm not trying to be a homer here or anything like that, but Kadri got suspended for cross-checking a dude in the neck to the head. Now, Kadri was skating toward the guy. I'm not saying Chara should get more than Kadri, because Kadri's was way more just, like, blatant targeting in a way. Um, you know, he had speed built up. You know, he, he caught him good. But if you're going to suspend Kadri for what ended up being five playoff games, you can suspend Zidane Chara for one regular season game. Like, like to say that those aren't comparable things, though, like, that is ridiculous. They're comparable. Kadri's was worse than Chara. Mm-hmm. But you're still talking about a dude targeting another guy's neck. And you're also talking about that dude that's targeting the other guy's neck uh, having about 110 pounds and about uh, a three hundred flex stick doing it with, you know what I mean? So like he basically cross checked him with a fucking tree log in the neck. Right. But um yeah, no, no suspension. We'll just we'll just find him what he happens to make uh in about a third of a shift. So that's good. good. No, that's fine. Yeah, he's made a hundred million dollars in his career. He can we can fucking him five grand like it's he, a fucking... I
1: think he probably spent more at that uh, Las Vegas Stanley Cup party that the Bruins uh, tallied up that uh, bar tab with that night, so... That's just a good night out for Zidane Chara right yeah, there. Chara, Chara had
2: the one Carlsberg light and went home. We all know that. Come on, that was that was Tomas how, how dare, let's, Come how dare, on, how dare, let's be serious. How dare you talk about my sweet golden boy of former Toronto Maple Leaf defenseman Thomas Caverly I like that.
1: All right, um... Another suspension. I, I don't know if the Department of Players' Do you think Thomas Cabrile, this, But
2: Is Thomas Caverly more of a Sid Sixero doppelganger or more of a Ray Romano doppelganger? Ray Romano. It's more Ray Romano, Yo, you yeah. think? But have you seen Caverly in the last few years? Like he's kind of kind of filled out a little but bit. But now he's like closer little... to Ray Romano. You think so? Yeah. I think he's closer to Sid now. It really? used to be Ray, now he's more of a Sid. Because Sid's got a couple extra pounds on him. So, well, so is Ray. Not that much, though. Not really. Ray's looking good. So you're saying in... Ray's like, like 63. He in, looks in great. In the post-retirement
1: era of a professional athlete, mm-hmm. they Tomas Cabral has put on so
2: much more weight that he's surpassed Ray Romano. Yeah, he's fatter than Ray Romano. For wow. Sure. All right. For sure I mean, he is. I don't know about that. Ray's... I don't know if you, how big you think Ray is. Ray's looking good. No, oh, I know that. Yeah. Yeah. Ray's, Ray, Ray's a good looking Ray's dude. Ray's 63 years old, I think. No way. Something like that. That's yeah, really I'll look it up again. What well, what are you What are you taking? How old is Ray Romano? Fifty-eight. Okay, I'm I'm sticking with sixty-three. Ray Romano is sixty-two. He will be sixty-three the day after my birthday this year. So, pretty cool. Sagittarius season. That's great. Yeah.
1: Um, the Montreal Canadiens head coach Claude Julien has been fined two Zdeno Chára cross checks to the neck uh, following the Habs' four-three overtime loss to the Dallas Stars on Saturday.
2: Don't like it, James. Don't really care for that. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, look, I will say this before I really defend Claude Julian. Obviously he was gonna get fined. You can't fucking say that. Not that he said anything bad, but I was you say, you, I don't you
1: can't, really think. It he said wasn't much, bad, but
2: it's it's definitely finable. Like you're reading it and it's like shit. Like a coach really shouldn't quite say that. But I thought Claude Julian, given the circumstances, was also very respectful given what he could have and should have said. Because if John Tortorella taught us anything... Like, if that had happened to Torts five years ago... Can you imagine what he said? He'd be in jail right now. Like, that... playing two fucking teams out there. That was a... I watched a lot of that game back. That was a fucking shit show, man. They have... They have... Montreal... Like, this is one of the few times I will ever defend... The Montreal Canadiens like this. You have every fucking right to be pissed. You guys got absolute... You you got the rug pulled out from under you. Yeah. And... What bugs the shit out of me, too, and, and, you know, you know me. I try not to read replies on Twitter, but I kind of, you know, I read a few. And it's the people being like, oh, well, you shouldn't blow a three-goal lead. What? They, they they don't blow that three-goal lead if they get a couple calls here and there. Like, they were running that game. And all of a sudden, it started to fall apart, fall apart, fall apart. But it was because, you know, they finally get a rush, and they're getting hooked and tripped and fucking... You know, like, it was... It was Play after play, and the one that I thought, like, the, everyone was up in arms about the Armia trip in overtime, and I, I, I don't think I would have called that, but there were a lot of other instances where you clearly got jipped. I, I thought Armia kind of just fell. You know, the guy behind him lifts his stick and Armia fucking falls. Like, well, that, you know, you shouldn't fall. Yeah. Like, you shouldn't be one of You, long shouldn't, lifts, you so, shouldn't be yeah. leaning on your stick like you're a fucking Atom player. Like, you know what I mean? You can't tell me he should have been falling, but... You know, for that call, there was about eight that they didn't get, right? Yeah, And it was it was a, a, a legitimate thing. You know, like, I do kind of believe that deep down there is a little bit of a bias against these traditional teams. Against your Montreals, your, your you know, your Chicagos sometimes. You know, like, these teams that... Maybe are your traditional markets to try and I like I do genuinely see a pattern there, um, but I'm not really going to get into that.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I I thought there was nothing wrong with what Claude Julian said. Um, You'd i have every right to say it. I've, I'll well, give him that. I, I don't look. Here's here's my problem. The NHL is an entertainment product um, that is dependent upon uh, you know people paying for its product part of that involves media coverage and for far too long we've heard the media complain about how hockey players and hockey personnel get up there Yes, they tell us the same three things Yes, then they go home so we don't ever really get much day to day until we get some crazy comment from Evander Kane or whoever else you can't be suspending Claude Julien every time he goes up there and tells people what they want to hear. Um, if you if you want to do that, if, if if the NHL wants to sit there and say we don't want to be badmouthed by our, our own people, and we're going to suspend you if if we do, then you have to then in turn make the referees available to media coverage, because this has to be a two way yeah. street. Yeah, we can't have these guys going up there and I hey, agree. what happened tonight, uh, Claude? Oh, we lost. Oh, well, why is that? Oh, just you know, we weren't we weren't very good. Yeah. Well, well, no, you, were, you guys were great. You guys you guys deserved to win the game. The Habs yeah. should have won that game Saturday night. But, you know, something else got in the way, and it wasn't yeah. the Dallas Stars.
2: And if the NHL is going to stand behind their officials, I would love to see Dean Morton stand up in front of 50 fucking reporters and answer the question, can you tell me exactly why you told Brendan Gallagher to go fuck himself? What did Brendan Gallagher say to you that caused you to say that? Sure. That's what I want to know. Because if the NHL is going to stand behind their officials, Dean Morton should be able to say exactly what Brendan Gallagher said. The other ref should be like, yep, that's what he said. And Brendan Gallagher should also stand there and be like, yep, that's what I said. Because otherwise, how, how did that conversation get to that point? How did the game get to that point? Like... If you don't want, this is my big thing. If you don't want players fucking barking back at you, you know you have the right to give them a two-minute unsportsmanlike penalty, right? And the NHL might not love it. Fans might not love it. It'll shut some fucking players up, though. I guarantee you it will. Mm -hmm. Sit them in the box, then. You have every fucking right. If you don't want to listen to it, but if you're representing the NHL, you should never be going around telling people to go fuck themselves. That's a joke to me. I think that's brutal. And, and, And I understand referees have to deal with all this shit. I get it. I get it. And, you know, if that was in a junior game or something like that, sure, that's fine. You're not a, you're, you're not a fucking NHL referee. NHL referees shouldn't be going around doing that, man. That's, that's brutal. And, and neither should players be going around giving referees shit. I agree with that either. Uh, but that's not the appropriate response because this is someone who's supposed to be representing the NHL. But I wanted to get back to Julian here quickly. As for those of you who didn't see the Julian comments, I will read them off here. So you can kind of understand exactly what he had to say. Uh, We're up 3-0. We're playing well. We make a bad mistake and give them the puck on the first goal. In those situations after that, we could have had power plays. There's so many. It was such a poorly managed game. Let's put it that way. I think the slash on Kovalchuk gets an automatic penalty, that slash. And I think on Sherratt, if you look at the penalty or the replay, he gets trip and he gives a one-hand slash. So we get the slash and no trip. Armia, if that's a hook, well then in overtime there should have been a penalty on him. Max in overtime there gets a stick stick in the mouth. He's bleeding from the mouth. There's no penalty there. Like I said, the officials look frustrated, or one of them looked frustrated tonight, the referee. He should have been, because to me it was embarrassing. I can't say anything else. We take responsibility for some of our stuff, and when we're not good, I'm going to stand up here and say that we weren't good enough tonight. Well, tonight we had to beat two teams, and it was tough.
1: And, good and, good on him. And that's one thing I'll give Julian credit for. Is I can't tell you how many times I've seen him post-game saying, we were
2: bad. Mm-hmm. We didn't do well. Yeah, work, he, right. he he, he holds his team you. accountable. Yeah. And, and I've always liked Claude Julian, to be honest with you. And, him, and right?
1: I'm glad he held the referees accountable. Cause it's, yeah. It, it I, I, you know,
2: and another guy, too, I, I don't really like, but I give him a lot of credit for it the other night, was Max Domi standing up in front of the fucking media with his mouth still bleeding and does his interview like that. Because... That's what he looked like after the game. So, you know what I mean? If you want to ask me about losing this game, take a look at my mouth. Mm -hmm. You know, like, good on him because he could have gone up there and and been a prick too. And he he answered every question because you can clearly see that if you don't like his answers, take a look at his mouth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, good on him too. I, I thought the Habs handled it well. Uh, about as well as they could have, because they had a point absolutely ripped from them. Uh, they had a regulation win probably ripped from them. Like that—that that was a, a blatantly blown game. You only see a handful of them in the NHL. I will say that. I, I wouldn't say that. You know, I've said it before, I've said it to you as a coach. I've said it before on this podcast. I'm very rarely on the the refs cost you point uh, uh, bandwagon. Like I, I think that only a handful of NHL games does that happen in any given year. Maybe. Maybe one or two, even. Right. And that is one game where I will say that the refs cost him points. It's the same thing as, as Game 7 San Jose Vegas last year. Like, the, the refs fucked the Golden Knights that night. And it's the same thing Dallas-Canadians. And luckily, it was a regular season game in February, but that shouldn't be any excuse. mm
1: mm-hmm. um, Bruce Boudreaux. Out in Minnesota. Yeah, that's a weird one. The season of the uh, fired coaches continues. Um, didn't see that. Like, th- this is one of those ones where if it would have happened back in November, you, yeah. you go, okay, I kind of get it. This
2: is one that I would have understood way more in July. Yeah. Way more. Well, yeah. you know, May. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think given the fact that their roster is a black hole of talent. Um, They are doing pretty well this year, I think. Yeah. Um, Considering the circumstances.
1: Yeah, given the circumstances, they have a winning record, technically. Um, Yeah. They're five points back with three games in hand. So based on point percentage, this team's in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, they're they're mid-pack or higher in almost every advanced stat metric. They're playing well this year. And... They have nobody.
1: That's got nothing to do with Bruce Boudreau apparently no Bill Guerin question mark um yeah uh, absolutely baffling it, it seems like uh, Bruce Boudreau a- also caught off guard uh, you know apparently last night to the media you know telling him oh you know I-. Bill came in shut the door said making a change are you fucking kidding me mm-hmm. right out of the words of Bruce Boudreau there um 158 wins uh with the Wild since coming over four seasons ago um and uh yeah, I, I I haven't seen an announcement on who's taking over. If it's just an intern, the with, interim, yeah, yeah, assistant coach, assistant guy. coach yeah. is
2: going to be the interim. Now, now that's that was what was baffling to me. I saw the change and I thought, okay, weird, weird timing. But yeah, maybe you go get your. But fair enough, Gerard Gallant. Gerard Gallant or is, Gallant is the guy, or, or easily Gallant sure. or, or Laviolette. I. To me, you couldn't go wrong with either of those guys. I I believe that those are still two legitimate top... I'm going to say top five coaches in the National Hockey League. And they're both unemployed right now. Those are two big names. Those are two guys that I think if you're uncomfortable with your coach... All fairness, if you want to fire him and go out and get those guys. Because I don't think you can make a bad decision with either of them.
1: It's hard to argue with. And And I think think Bruce Boudreaux would have a tough time arguing it too. Yeah. You know... He can be upset they got fired, well, and he can he can probably look at it and say, "Yeah, but they brought in so and so." Yeah,
2: no, nope, they're just handing the reins
1: over to the guy next to me. Yeah, what's he going to do that I wasn't?
2: Yeah, right. Yeah, no, I, and, and and that's the thing to me. It it doesn't make any sense. Um, and you know, I I am legitimately a little confused for Minnesota Wild fans here because. Uh, I think Bill Guerin's done a pretty good job since he took over, to be honest with you. What they got for Jason Zucker, uh, they had no business getting that package for Jason Zucker. And they did it. And good on Bill Guerin there. Um, But uh, short of that, I I have no earthly idea what this coaching change could be about. And the only thought to me is, maybe Bill Guerin wants to rebuild and the Wild are too good right now. Like, that's all I can think of, because... Uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense otherwise. The Minnesota Wild, uh, at the time we record the podcast, are sixth in the division, but they are in the wild card race.
1: Yeah, and and that's it. Like if if Bill Guerin wants to get up there and and tell me that we want to be in the you know Quentin Byfield Alexis Lafreniere sweepstakes, great. That's a good call. That's that's great. Fair enough. But do it. Yeah. Don't sit here and plug along and. Continue to start Devin Dubnik, who is going to maybe steal you a game here and there. Uh, trade Eric Stahl. Trade Matt Dumba. Yeah. You better blow this up, if that's your motivation. If you think you're still and in this And part of thing, me
2: wonders if they're going to do that.
1: Yeah, and I hope so. Because if, if you're going to try to convince your fan base that you're still in this thing and we're going to make the wild card and yeah. you know playoffs are the goal, uh, you just fired the wrong guy. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is a franchise that looked really unstable a year ago, seemed to be getting back on track to some degree, and now I'm I'm just as confused as I was when, you know, they, they fired, uh, what's his nuts there last summer? Fenton. Fenton, yeah. Yeah, um,
2: yeah it's the team, um, their forward group, uh, they only have four uh, players who are not under contract next year. Uh, one of them is their captain, Miko Koivu, who has um, no movement clause. So I don't see him waving that. Uh, you got Alex Galchenyuk, who you literally just traded for and doesn't have any trade value at this point. Uh, Luke Kunin, who's one of your top prospects, and Jordan Greenway, who's on that list as well. For defensemen, you have one guy, Carson Soucy, who's not in a contract next year. Doesn't have a lot of trade value. Um, you know, a good depth pickup, I guess, for some teams. Uh, a lot of rumors around Matt Dumba, who has no trade protection, or doesn't have any trade protection, I'm saying. Um, so... You know, like, I, I could see something there. You got stall at one more year at 3.25. Um, but what I'm saying is, is it's probably going to be pretty hard for them to really blow this up, and, and um, this might be their best option.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll have to uh, keep an eye out on what the Wild are going to convince their fan base of doing the rest of the world.
2: Minnesota! Way. Yeah.
1: A few injuries to announce before we switch over to uh, the trade deadline and all of its moving pieces. Brian Little of the Winnipeg Jets, mm. done for the season. Yeah. Um, suffered a perforated eardrum in December, was it? November. Uh, November. Wow, a lot long ago. Yeah. Um, so he's uh, officially done. The Jets shutting him down for the rest of the way. Um, Good call. Definitely. You know, like it's tough. That's always a tough decision to make, with a, especially with a veteran guy. But uh, I I think that they have to be realistic about where they want to be, and this is going to save them a little bit of cap space going into the uh, trade deadline. So maybe they can go get a big fish. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, should be a, a guy that's good to go down the road, like you know, next season. We should have Brian Little. They're back they're quite he, optimistic, you know,
2: yeah. Um... Never
1: really heard of a perforated eardrum being a. Hockey injury. It it
2: is a a surgery that I believe I saw uh, is going to be about a three month uh, recovery period. So, but you know, typically people make a full recovery, so they're they're pretty optimistic that Brian Little is going to be okay, at least um, in his personal health and whether or not it's going to affect his NHL playing. They're they're not 100% sure, but they are pretty optimistic that uh, Brian Little, at least when it comes to that, Should be healthy and ready to go next year. Whether or not he's still going to be dealing with concussion symptoms is, you know, impossible to say, though.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Additionally, the Trauma Beliefs have announced that Andreas Janssen will be missing the next eight weeks um, due to a uh, knee injury. Minimum eight weeks, I believe they said, too. Like a a
2: best case scenario eight weeks.
1: Uh, A knee injury that he sustained uh, last week against Dallas, I think it was. Um, And. so they're going to be able to put his three and a half million dollars, whatever it is, on, on IR. The story of the year for the Maple Leafs. Just one guy comes back, yeah. another guy goes down, and this revolving door of LTIR money uh, kind of helping them in, in a sense, but at the same time you're losing roster guys all the while.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, like, I, I will say this, is I think a lot of Leaf fans on Twitter have made out the Leafs injury situation to be a lot more than what it actually has been. But, um... You know, this was kind of the one where I'm sitting there thinking like, shit, they, they really have had a lot of man games lost because of injuries mm. this year. And I mean, like what I'm saying is, is that three of your four big fish up front have been what we assume is 100% healthy uh, well, or at least smarter. at they're least 95% yeah. healthy this year. Um, yeah, Marner missed some time, you know. Uh, 11 games Seems to be fine since he's come back Is, is more what I'm getting at The only yeah. one that seems to be dealing with something all year Has been Tavares And I think I'm ready to say That he's back to normal now Like, I don't know, he's looked great to me I don't know what the fuck people are talking about. I think he's looked great for about a month now Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like they, they've been lucky in that sense But um, it's been every supporting character That's been, you know, ha- Hyman missed the first month and a half Uh... You know, Dermot, uh, yeah. uh, Janssen's played what, like, thirty-five games now. I think out of the out of the season, and that's probably what he's going to end at. Um, you know, like it's it's just been one thing after another. It definitely has been the the biggest loss for me this year was Muzzin, but they've had him back. So yeah, um, two know, guys
1: on the team have played the full season. Yeah, can you tell me who? Uh, Matthews, sixty games,
2: and oh, it's not Nylander.
1: He missed two games
2: being sick. Every game, Kurfa was suspended. Ingval wasn't on the team. I'm gonna go. Kapanen?
1: Kapanen missed uh, one game as a result of a scratch for Napa. Oh yeah.
2: No, give me give me one more guess. All right. Um, damn. No, it's got to be a forward. No. Who the fuck? Oh, Tyson Berry. Tyson Berry. Mm.
1: The only two Maple Leafs that have played the entire season. Uh, so definitely their depth being tested here. Uh, you know, we saw Korshkov and Marchman come in and make their... Korshkov babies, looked great they, last night. That looked great, yeah. I, thought, I thought he looked great. They looked fine. Uh, so, yeah, Johnson, that's another $3.5 that they can put on LTIR. They've already got Cody Ceci back there. They've already got Morgan Riley back there. Apparently, the Leafs have a bit of money to spend uh, this week, so we'll have to keep an eye on what Cal Dubas wants to do, if anything. Uh, and lastly, Eric Carlson, shut down by the San Jose Sharks with a broken thumb. Brutes, this is a uh, Robida Island situation, is it not?
2: I've never seen a player miss more than like four weeks with a broken thumb, I don't think. That's kind of weird. Yeah. I think Mike Pekka might have missed two months back in the day, but the Sabres also sucked. Yeah, and and
1: I don't think he was rushing back to make make the Sabres roster in time. Um, Yeah, kind of, not really weird, because the you know, sh- Sharks obviously suck this year. Oh, fuck they're Yeah, they're um, bad. But it, it always always interesting when you have to shut down your leading scorer. Yeah. Uh, One of the few of players this. that actually <laughs>
2: has been uh, pretty good yeah. for you this year.
1: So they get his $10 million off the hook, and they can go out there and maybe shop some things, take some salary back, which I think a lot of people are expecting them to do. You know, hey, you've got your bad contract. Hey, you've got your Cody CC. Give, give us your Cody CC, and, and we'll, you know, and your whatever nice prospect and we'll give you a a pick or something and so they may be active as well all of these injuries obviously we're we're mentioning now because they do provide their teams with some flexible cap space as i mentioned going into next monday's trade deadline uh brutes uh you and i we're gonna we're gonna hop down the old tsn trade bait list and uh kind of break down who Uh, some of these guys are, uh, where they might be heading. But real quick, before we start that, let's talk about the two trades that have occurred uh, since we recorded last. Uh, Starting first, uh, the New York Islanders acquire defenseman Andy Green from the New Jersey Devils for defenseman David Quenville and a second-round pick. Um, The Devils trading away their captain.
2: And they went down to Georgia.
1: That's uh if that's not the the white flag, I don't I don't know what is, but um this was a pretty good move, I think for the Devils. Over oh, the Devils, the yeah, the big time. Yeah, end of the day. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't Andy, know if,
2: Andy Green uh, has been uh what you would say past his prime for a while now.
1: I don't know if Quinville's going to be anything of, you know, monumental value for the Devils. Don't believe
2: I'm familiar with him.
1: Um but, uh, you know, he's played nine games this year, hasn't when really I, been productive.
2: When I first saw the trade, I thought they were talking about John Quenville, and I'm like, they don't even have him. Like, how are they making that trade? And then I yeah. realized it was David Quenville.
1: Yeah. Um, Quenville, a uh, former New Jersey Devils pick, actually. So he uh, he's back where he started. Hmm. Um, Andy Green, you know, a, a guy that Lou Lamorello was familiar with, obviously going back to the Devils days. Um, this, this is your prototypical Lou Lamorello defensive. Yeah, thing, classic you know. over,
2: overpay for a, a guy that you don't really need, but you know his name. So, sure, yeah. um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a terrible trade for the Islanders, the, but whatever. The
1: only thing here is that maybe there's some moving pieces going into this weekend that we, uh, we don't know about because yeah, it is, it is a little weird. Like, I, I think the Islanders are a team that are trying to gear up for that playoff run, but,
2: uh. Yeah, that's not what they need. Though. No, as another, it's not. As another, so, I mean, I, I guess it is and it isn't, right? If they if they have someone go down with an injury between now and the playoffs, like, they're not someone that I consider to be, like, a very organizational, like a super deep organization when it comes to uh, defensemen. But, um, yeah, I mean, the the, the thought is that uh, Andy Green is actually going to play on their top pairing, which is kind of neat hmm. uh, with Ryan Pulak, so. It's kind of an interesting thought. Interesting. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, the Devils staying active as well. Uh, also trading Blake Coleman to the 10th Bay Lightning for Nolan Foote. And the Vancouver Canucks first round pick this upcoming June. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Lightning seemed pretty high on Coleman. Um, I don't think he's... You know, he's not a bad player. He's fine. He's perfectly capable of penalty killing third line center. Maybe second line center.
2: I think he's a really good... Really good depth player, like really good.
1: Yeah, um, could really help the Tampa Bay Lightning out come playoff time because they're they're obviously looking to improve on last season.
2: Let's, yeah, let's put it that that's way. another thing too. Is I do think they are missing a bit of a Blake Coleman element, and, and you know Blake Coleman adds uh, a lot of Blake Coleman to the team for sure. Um, what what I what I kind of find bizarre, and uh, and I mean I get it. But it is sort of bizarre when I saw the trade because Nolan Foote is a guy who, even though he's out of the National Hockey League right now, I think is probably just as good as Blake Coleman. Like, he might be one of the best players outside of the National Hockey League right now. So that's an interesting trade, and I understand that uh, Jason Zucker's trade helped establish the market to be... You know, if, if you're in, you got to be all in this year. Like, that's just the way it's going to be. If you're in, you're in. If, if not, then, like, these players are going to go for higher than what they normally would go for. Uh, Jason Zucker does not go for a first round pick, I think, any other year, nor a top prospect. And there's no way you can convince me that last summer, Blake Coleman would have been traded for what is essentially two first round picks. Uh, but this is where we're at. And, you know, he's a solid player. He's going to help the Lightning, I think, a lot. Um, but there's no question to me that Nolan Foote is going to have the better career in in New Jersey than Blake Coleman is going to have in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Short of a Stanley Cup.
1: Yeah, no. And that's, that's just it. Like, you know, the Devils, I think I talked about them earlier this season. Like, I, I like kind of where they're heading here. Nolan Foote gives them another nice little piece that they can work into that top six, hopefully. And, uh,. Uh, find some stability there uh, and they also get uh, another first-round pick this June. So uh, Whether they hang on to that or flip it for help somewhere else. That's that's all the better for them. So uh, And on the flip side, you're right like I think Blake Coleman could Possibly be the difference maker in Tampa Bay like it wasn't gonna be Nolan Foot. Let's be honest by the time he's ready to go uh, the lightning might not you know, be in it anymore. Like it sounds weird to say, but Nolan Foot's probably a year or two out at you know best. And uh, I I don't
2: agree. Like that's what I'm saying. As I as I feel like Nolan Foot is a, honestly might be the better player at this point. But right now, yeah.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. He's really good. Oh, he, he's fantastic. Uh, I just I I didn't see him helping Tampa Bay out this season. Or, well, they weren't going to call him up. So, that's a yeah.
2: thing, right? But um, what I'm saying is that I think how good he is is being. Undervalued, considering the fact that he's playing in the WHL right now. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, All right, the trade preview special: Uh, the uh, top fifty players on the board that TSN's been tracking uh, already traded off this list. Uh, Jason Zucker, as we mentioned, Kyle Clifford to the Leafs, uh, Alex Gelchenyak as well. Um, So, where do you want to start? You want to start at the top here? Let's let's go uh, work our way down. Sure. um, Should be fun. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna toss a name out there. We're gonna break down who we who who we think could realistically be looking at uh, picking these players up. Uh, let's start with number one on the list: the New York Rangers left winger Chris Kreider, uh, forty two points in fifty seven games, uh, four and uh, just over a half million cap hit uh, as a UFA coming up. Uh, Where is he going?
2: I don't think he's getting traded.
1: Don't think he's getting traded. No,
2: I I. I... It's one of the few situations where I look at a rental, and I look at a team that really doesn't have use for this player, like doesn't need this player beyond this year. Um, but I still think they would be wise to hang on to him. Um, Kreider's a guy who really likes it in New York and is a fan favorite in New York, and I don't think he's at a point where, even though he's twenty eight, um, that you know I wouldn't give another deal to. Like I think he's worth another, you know, four or five year deal. And, um, you know, he, he's in his prime, honestly. Like, I think he's playing the best hockey of his career right now. And to me, I think he's more helpful than what you're going to get for him. Like, here's the thing. As is I, is I talked a minute ago about the premium that everyone's got to pay to be all in, the difference is that you're talking Jason Zucker, you're talking Blake Coleman. These are players that are signed beyond this year. And when you're looking at Chris Kreider, sure, you trade for him at a 4.63. Maybe the Rangers retain you're talking about a top six forward for less than $2.5 million a year. He's not going to be making $2.5 million next year. He's not going to be making $4.6 million next year. You're talking about a guy who's going to be close to five and a half plus. And I just... I don't see a team that is going to be willing to take that risk for what the Rangers probably should be asking for him. He's far and away the best player on this trade bait list. Like, like by far. It's not even close. So, I... Don't think that he really is going to make a lot of sense for some teams to take the risk. And I think the Rangers are going to want to resign him. It makes sense to me. Um, Where should he go? Literally any playoff team would love Chris Kreider. He's awesome.
1: (laughs) I I agree in principle. I I think the Rangers should try to hang on to him. I feel that based on no contract extension being announced at this point, that Something's not working out and that Chris Kreider probably won't be back next season And if that's the case, um, I think the Boston Bruins should be all in on Chris Kreider Um, they just watched Tampa Bay go out there and get Blake Coleman Um, they saw another Eastern Conference rival go out and get another depth winger and, you know, Jason Zucker So, uh, if I'm the Boston Bruins and, uh, I got the Tampa Lightning breathing down my neck I I probably go out and make a big swing here and and you know what Boston is they're they're in a good position. Uh, they've got not quite enough cap space, but if you know if you're right, if the Rangers can retain or if they can send something back the
2: other way, they they will have to send something back because yeah. they, they have essentially none. But three and a half, no, ish. Yeah, yeah. it's still not going to be enough to make the deal work because they sure. do have uh, um players that are not counting against the cap right now. Right, but
1: so, but you're right. Like I I think if you can toss in a first round pick and. And convince someone to maybe take David Backus off your your hands or, or something along mm. those lines, then uh, that opens up some options for them. And uh, it's it's probably the best case scenario that they could uh, you know realistically go up there and, and acquire someone that's going to matter because this is a team where the the top six is fine, uh, the bottom six could use some help. Uh, a lot of youth down there sure. that will be good eventually, but I think I think Chris Kreider. Could turn this into a, a, a cup contender uh, very quickly.
2: Turn it into you don't think they are as right as of right now.
1: I think that they are a very skilled team that could have a good playoff run. I wouldn't call them in my top five of
2: really. Yeah. Okay. So. That's, and then that's not Leaf Bias talking? You just genuinely don't believe that?
1: Not Leaf Bias talking. I was okay. I was blown away to see them make the, the Cup Finals last year. Um, And I, I think a little bit of that had something to do with uh, a little team called Columbus. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, Boston,
2: I think, kind of is is a team sort of like uh, the Capitals in a way, where it's just like every year I just look at them like, you know, they I, I don't know. It's hard for me to count them out. And it goes back to the season preview episode when I was talking about it. It's like, you know, it's very well could be the year they take the step back. And I sort of think the same thing with Washington every year. It very well could be, but every year it's just not. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I still think the Bruins are a real good team. But, good yeah, team. I, I do yeah. agree with you. Kreider's a good fit there. Um, you know, uh, another team that right now would actually quite benefit from uh, Chris Kreider, and he would fit right in with the way they play, is the Winnipeg Jets, who now have... Uh, Basically, are, are unless they can find a big centerman uh, to put on that second-line spot, uh, Blake Wheeler is going to be a centerman for the rest of the year. Um, now, I say that, but last night Jack Roslevic took um, that second-line center spot and ran with it, so uh, it's hard to say. But Crowder would be a good fit in that top six, too.
1: I agree. Uh, number two on the TSN list not sure I agree with it, but uh, Sammy Vatnin uh, f- mm. from the New Jersey Devils. Mm. Uh, right-hand defensemen, which I guess are a bit of a premium, but uh, at a $5 million cap hit, I don't really know who's lining up to, at least, you know, as their first pick. You know, if, if the cards start falling and all of a sudden you really need a right-hand defenseman and the, and the top guys are already gone, sure, maybe someone goes out to try to get Sammy Vatnin, but I don't, I don't think he's anyone's first pick uh, unless... I'm forgetting something here, but, uh, in any case, yeah, if the Devils want to move them, I'm, I'm sure somebody will take a stab and, uh,
2: the Winnipeg Jets. Really? Hey, eh? for sure. They need, uh, another NHL defenseman.
1: They do, but <laughs> they I mean, only guess, have one. I guess my question would be like, shouldn't, shouldn't they be targeting like five other dudes right now?
2: Um, the the thing with the Jets is their best right-handed defenseman is Neil Pionk, and I think you know I'm not looking at it right now, but number two is uh, a guy who's not a right-handed defenseman. So they they definitely could use them. Um, they could they could use any help back there. Like it's just like you're, you're going to go down the list, and it's going to be you know Sammy Vatten, and we're going to go over some other defensemen. But it's like the 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 Jets should be considering any and all defensemen right now that are at least by all accounts, an NHL defenseman, because there's no question to me uh, uh, they are playing guys that shouldn't be in the NHL right now. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. So I, I think Vatnin fits well there. Um, aside from that, though, I don't know if they're... You're, you're right. Like I don't know if there's a lot of teams that are looking for a Vatnin type. Um, I think the Oilers would benefit from from Sammy Vatnin just because uh, they... they Could benefit from anybody. Yeah, like, uh, again, like, I'm not a big fan of the makeup of that team, and I think they could benefit from a right-handed defenseman. I mean, Vatnin's a real good get for teams if they use him situationally. I think Vatnin's a guy where, if he's playing five-on-five, he probably should be, you know, on your third pairing. If you're playing him, you know, he's not the greatest power play guy, but he's got that skill set, and... Honestly, he, he could be complementary to a power play that doesn't have that puck-moving option right now, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I look at Vatnin as a decent option, again, for any team that's in need of that. But when you start going down the list, I mean, Boston, no. Tampa, no. Toronto, no. Washington, no. Pittsburgh, no. Islanders, maybe. Um, but you would have think that they might have done that instead of Andy Green. Right, so Blue Jackets no, Flyers no, like you just you keep going down the list, and there's not a lot where it makes sense. So uh, he's another one. I don't know if he's going to get traded. If he does get traded, I think he's going to go a little bit cheaper than um, what he might go for. Otherwise, like a third and a fifth round pick or something like that.
1: I uh, I know it, it would take a little bit to make the money work, but I I could see him going to Vegas. So that would be my hmm. my best guess in terms of where Sammy Vaden. And- could go. Uh, next on the list here, we've got uh, Jean Gabriel uh the centerman out of Ottawa, the Ottawa native. Uh, just over a three million dollars in terms of a cap hit. Also a UFA coming up, having a pretty good season: thirty-six points, fifty-seven games. It's having a real good year for for a team like Ottawa. That's pretty much what you're what you're looking for. Uh,
2: good bounce back year, considering yeah. you only played part of last year and uh, came back from what was a really really tough injury to come back from. Um, you know was a guy that I thought should have been a little bit higher up in the masterson conversation last year the fact that he is where he is right now is unbelievable uh, having said that though I don't really think Pajot is anything more than at best a second line center like you know at, at very best so um, you know this is a good get for a team that needs that center depth and every team will tell you that you can never have you know too much of that I mean
1: he's also a guy I think that can play the wing. I think he's very versatile in that regard. He,
2: he probably can. I don't believe that he really ever has at the NHL level, but um, that also is because the Senators don't have the option to play him that wing if they wanted to. Um, yeah, I mean, P- Pajot's a guy... There's been a lot of conversation that the Senators want to re-sign him, and I understand why they would want to do that. You know, Pajot is a, is a good two-way player. Um, the, there are a lot of positives to his game. He is a, a Gatineau, Ottawa native... Um, so, you know, there's a lot to like about him, but I think if you're looking this objectively as a, as just a hockey team trying to manage their assets, uh, Paggio's a type of guy that, you know, almost every team that's in the playoffs could use. And there is the possibility because of that, that you open yourself up to a bidding war, which could be fruitful to you if you're the Senators. Mm. Um, he's a guy that I would definitely consider seeing what the return is out there. Um, Yeah.
1: Uh Columbus. Okay. I think the Blue Jackets yeah, that's should a good be fit. you know they they hooked up last year with the Duchesne trade. Um they could use the help at center. Uh they got, you know, Wenberg, he's he's fine. it really drops off after that though for them. So um they got a lot of cap space. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they made, you know, more than one move going into this weekend and as a wild card team. Um they could be very, very interesting to watch because I, I think we could be ta- like last year. We saw it. They're not, you know, they're not afraid to go out there and make a splash and you know, you know, go all in to an extent. Now that's to say that they don't have a lot of, uh, <clears throat> uh, you know,
2: chips to well, play. And and and, uh, and that's my <laughs> issue with Columbus is I is I think there is a fit there in terms of the team. You know, and, and again, like it goes back to what I'm saying. Like I think every team in the playoffs, Pajot fits on in one role or another. Like like to go back to the Leafs. They would benefit from Paggio, to be honest with you. Like, I'm not so crazy about the idea of, you know, really only having four or five guys that you can play at center right now, and and within that, you know, your options are already kind of limited because of the way people work with other players. And, you know, like, basically what I'm saying is I don't love the idea that Jason Spezza has to be their fourth-line center. I would like Spezza to have the option to move up and... You know, like, but but th- th- like that's the Leafs. You take a look at any other team, you can make similar arguments, right? Where you know, Pajot helps teams move their chips around a little bit better. Um, I don't really know why I feel so strongly about it, but I, I think if Pajot's going, I think he goes to Vancouver. I think Vancouver's a really good fit for him. Um, you know, their, their bottom six centers are are, are okay there, but their bottom six as a whole kind of sucks. And, you know, Adam Goddard is playing with Roussel and Sutter. He's got fucking dead weight anchored to him there. Uh, Beagle, who's... uh, I'm not as low on as a lot of other people are, but Beagle right now is playing with uh, Tim Schaller and Zach Masuin. So, uh, it's McAllen. I just wanted to say it like an idiot. Uh, You know, they're a team riddled with injuries right now, and I don't really think a lot of them are um, positive things moving forward. So... Uh, I think that they're a team that would benefit from it because I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm really doubting that Michael Furland's going to play this year. And because of that, you know, you kind of need to make this this bottom six a little bit better. I think Pajot is a perfect acquisition for Vancouver. And the reason being like at the end of all of this is they have the assets to move. They have the assets to spare because this is a team that's got quite stocked cupboards. So
1: yeah, Fer- Ferland is interesting. He's he's on a conditioning loan right now, which could mean he's coming back soon. Could mean oh, I, I I had meant
2: to add this to the breakdown. And I'm assuming you didn't hear, but pa- uh, Ferland had a significant setback the other day, and huh. uh, the Canucks are are weighing whether or not he's going to play another game this year at any level. Okay, um, so we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, that doesn't that's not a death sentence either, but. Um, it really doesn't look like Furland's anywhere close to playing right now.
1: Yeah, they'd have um, to move a, quite a bit of cap to make it happen. They've the least amount of cap space in the league uh, going into this weekend. So. They, they
2: were saying something, like, just to to, to expand off Furland, if, if for people listening at home that maybe aren't aware, uh, is that he's having issues right now with his peripheral vision, which, with your peripheral vision, it's not something that just comes back. You kind of have to, like train mm. it to be okay again. Right. And they're talking that if the damage is where they think it is, it's going to take at least three months for him to regain his peripheral vision. Uh, having said that, it, it just sounds very unlikely he's playing again this season. Mm. So, I think they, they need him. You're right, the, the cap is a concern, um, but when you're talking about Ottawa, you know, here's Brandon Sutter. he He's worth a lot of money.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know. No, for sure. Uh, Alex or Martinez, Roussel. number four. Los Angeles Kings defenseman. Uh, $4 million cap hit, doesn't score a ton, plays the left side, 32 years old, has another year left. Um, he's
2: 32 years old. Uh,
1: I don't think he's on the move.
2: It wouldn't surprise me either way. The Kings look like they're really uh, intent on not speeding the rebuild up, but they, they look like they're not afraid to move assets right now, especially assets that um, were a big part of the history of this team, and Alec Martinez is very high on that list if you're talking about the history of the, the Kings, uh, not dynasty, I guess mini-dynasty. Um, you know, I think Alec Martinez is a little bit better than people give him credit for, but um, having said that, you know, there was a discussion by media members a few years ago uh, who had n- probably never watched a Kings game in their life that, you know, maybe Alec Martinez is actually the number two defenseman in LA, and you no. Know, Jake, Jake Muzzin uh, would tell you that for sure Drew Doughty was the number two defenseman in L.A. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that Martinez is good, not great, not amazing. He's a good uh, third-pairing guy. He's a decent second-pairing guy with the right option. Um, a lot of teams could use a guy like him because he's mobile, and he actually has some pretty decent possession numbers. But uh, at the end of the day, yeah, I, I don't know if he's going to be or not going to be on the move again. Another team that I think would be a good fit for him is Winnipeg. Um, but he might cost a bit more, even though the trade bait is the way it, that it is. He's going to cost you more than Vatnen and Will in a trade. So mm-hmm.
1: uh, He's a guy that I, I think would be on the radar for the Montreal Canadiens if, yeah, if they can get I any agree. closer, especially with Shea Weber kind of being hit and miss he's honestly
2: he's honestly a decent get for next year like if that the bidding, too, yeah. if the bidding race isn't as you know fierce as it as it might be and you can get him at a decent price like he he's a good fit in montreal i think
1: yeah they need someone on that left side uh, to kind of stabilize some depth for mm-hmm. for them moving forward anyway um
2: I, I i one more uh just because i i haven't really looked at their cap situation but i know at least on the ice he would be a fantastic fit for the pittsburgh penguins uh, who right now uh, their number one left shot D is Jack Johnson. Just in order of pairings a nice time, uh, not in terms of performance. Number two is Marcus Peterson, who's definitely decent. Number three is Juso Rikala, who uh, I thought went to play in Finland this year, but he's still in he's still in North America. So um, the the Penguins D isn't horrible because you you still got Latang, Schultz, and Ruiel on the right side, which is pretty good. John Marino's out right now. Um, and Brian Dumoulin, I don't know how long that's going to be, but uh, I think uh, that Martinez really shores up the depth here. I think that'd be a good get for them, and I think uh, at four million for next year, it's it's a decent price. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, another defenseman, Brendan Dillon, slightly younger than Martinez, slightly cheaper, slightly more offensive production. Um, he uh, he's been playing back there with San Jose. Obviously, his role is uh, just. Increased with uh, Eric Carlson going on LTIR, um, so it'll be interesting to see how San Jose utilizes him in the coming you know games leading into the deadline. Um, this this guy's got trade deadline written all over him. Yeah, uh, he's getting traded. Yeah, there's there's no way he's he's not. on the move. It's he's 100 percent getting dealt.
2: Yeah, um, if if I have to put money on anyone on this fucking trade bait list, Brendan Dillon's the guy. He's nice. getting fucking traded. Uh, Pittsburgh, Winnipeg, <laughs> <laughs> the usual suspects. Um, uh, I, I think Boston is a good fit for Dylan. Just he plays with that sandpaper that they they definitely like. Um, given the fact that Dougie Hamilton will probably not be back anytime soon, uh, Carolina I think is another fit for Brendan Dillon because you know uh, Jake Gardner has really not satisfied that uh, top four defenseman role that they were hoping he would this year. Um, Uh, Dallas is another team maybe that could use that depth but um, the issue is that I don't think Brandon Dillon's going to be all that cheap and I don't know if he's going to justify where Dallas would use him but if Dallas were to get Brandon Dillon, holy shit do I ever like their sixth defenseman. Mm. They have five good defensemen, they could use a sixth.
1: Yeah, the market is going to determine where yeah. this guy goes I think yeah. it's, it's not going to be Brendan Dillon that sets the market it's going to be the market gets set and then San Jose can determine what they want back uh, a team that I like for him and I mentioned them before already um, don't hate Scott Harrington don't know if you really want him how as your you. guy going into the playoffs how dare you so, that's former Toronto Maple
2: Leaf defenseman yeah, Scott Harrington
1: shocking uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets could be a destination for Dylan. Just strictly a depth guy, you know. Toss him in their third pairing, and it really helps them going into the uh, wild card chase. So
2: the the last team that I would add uh, that could use a defenseman use a defenseman that can actually play with decent speed. Like Brendan Dylan's not Brendan Dylan's not fast, but he can play with speed. Do, do you know what I mean by that? Like like he he can think quick enough that he can still defend. Uh, a quick team and can play on a team that plays with speed even though he's not fast he's smart enough yeah. uh the edmonton oilers Ooh,
1: interesting so
2: yeah i don't know brendan dillon's another guy i think he fits pretty well in a lot of systems but the oilers definitely need some help on d and um, brendan dillon is a defenseman
1: that he is um, <laughs> number six on the list uh tyler to Mm. Uh, having a pretty good season in uh, in LA, I believe he's second on the team in scoring. Uh, also a UFA at the end of the year and uh, kind of pricey. Someone that the Kings might want to try to get away from instead of bringing back next season. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, um, I don't see any way the money works. But I think that the Edmonton Oilers should be doing everything in their yeah. power to go out and get him oh, yeah. fully. Oh
2: yeah. Oh um, yeah. Oh boy. And, and, should and, and they ever? If, oh if my if God. The LA
1: Kings. I welcome Jesse Puljuhari with open arms. Uh, I think that's a that's a fair, <laughs> you know, starting point. Here's Jesse Puljuhari, a guy that I mean,
2: I mean, it's not, but like Puljuhari's got no trade value right now because the Oilers, like everyone knows, this kid doesn't want to play there. Right? You don't have any fucking like to stand on. What are you gonna do? Let him never play again? Okay, so let the asset deteriorate. You're lucky to get anything for him. Here's Tyler Tafoli, a former Stanley Cup champion, a bona fide top six winger. I, Take him!
1: I, I agree. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's
2: just like, clearly, he's fucking should be way better than Tifoli. Right. whether or not he's ever going to be, I don't know. But.
1: I, I just think the Oilers, or sorry, the Kings are a team that, that should be looking and saying, we'd like to ensure that we get Puliarvi instead of letting the asset deteriorate to the point where someone else can come in and get him for cheap. Spend because you believe in Puliarvi.
2: No, I mean it's 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 a ridiculous price for the Oilers to pay because Poehl should be as good as everyone I, I thinks gotcha. he's going to be. Gotcha. Now, having said that, I also don't know if I agree with you in the sense that I think it is a bit of a risk for the Kings, but I don't know that they're going to get anyone that's got a higher ceiling than Poehl right? right? Yeah. So I think it's worth the risk because at the end of the day, uh, at the end of the day, Toffoli's going somewhere eventually. He's not going to, you know what I mean, whether it's this summer, next summer, like he's, he's probably not going to retire in L.A. And um, I don't know that I really think Toffoli's as good as a lot of people think he is either. Uh, again, having watched that team quite a bit, he's okay. Uh, he doesn't drive the play by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but he is a guy who, if Connor McDavid sets him up in the open, Toffoli can hit the net, unlike Alex Chason. So, yeah, I, 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 I like that fit there for sure. Uh, another team I like a lot is Colorado. Uh, the reason being is that Toffoli's shown in LA. He can play kind of anywhere in your lineup. He can play third line. He can play first line. He can play as many minutes as you want to give him. And Colorado, I think, could use a little bit of help at wing because when you take a look at their third line right now, you're looking at Nieto and Nakushkin. And even second line, like I like Donskoy, but Donskoy's a guy who, you know, could play anywhere in your lineup. Burakovsky's a guy you can move it up. I think it gives uh, a lot of flexibility to the Avalanche right now. Um, the, the, uh, the Avalanche
1: av- also know that the guy can score, as they recently found out.
2: Yes, yes, they did. Um, <laughs> they're they're without Colin Wilson, Nazem Kadri, Matt Calvert right now, and and um,
1: jeez, that's th- that's your whole third line. Uh, there's there, yeah. I mean, well, Kadri's
2: your second line center, right? So it's um, you need to try to find a way to to bolster that lineup a little bit because Colorado is a team that. Uh, I do like them, but they also do concern me. Um, so I, I, I think there's a fit there. So Colorado, Edmonton, um, Calgary,
1: Calgary, I thought of too. Um, Calgary
2: needs some help. I and just don't see
1: how they make the money work for for them. Yeah,
2: and that's that's a thing, right? Cal- Calgary is a team like they're not. It's not that they haven't come up for lack of a need right now. Calgary needs every player we've mentioned. They well, need there's, they there's need a some few help.
1: guys coming up that I think. They should be taking a better
2: look at yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> and, that, and that's just it, right? But they don't have a lot of money to make these big N rentals work, and therefore it's going to kind of limit what they can and can't do. Um, again, for the same reason that I talked about with Rosslovic and Wheeler, the Jets. The Jets need help. <laughs> like, they're right there in the playoff race. There's a lot of reasons why I think the Jets are going to stick around in that playoff race, and um, Toffoli can can definitely help them. Um and maybe Pittsburgh would be one more team I would throw out there. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting.
1: I didn't really consider it Pittsburgh,
2: but yeah, they're all in. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if you heard. That, that seems to be the. Did you team. hear? That's the. Did you hear yeah. the good news about Pittsburgh?
1: All right. Here's here's what I would consider to be the the first really interesting candidate. And I don't know about you, but I'm really interested to see what you have to say about this because <laughs> I've heard a lot of uh, a lot of fans of this team kind of go very back and forth about what uh, you know the Habs should do with Ilya Kovalchuk. Uh, league minimum cap hit. 36 years old. Having a bit of a, you know, renaissance in Montreal here. He's putting some points together. He's scoring some goals. And the Habs sitting outside of the current wildcard race. Um, first of all, I'll start here. Uh, do you think he gets dealt? Because that's that's been the big debate here. The Habs... Some of their fans seem to think, well, we should hang on to this guy, Celia Globalchuk.
2: See, a wise man by the name of uh, Albert Einstein once said that the definition of insanity is uh, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And uh, trying to predict Mark Bergevin's fucking thought process, I would rather beat my head against a fucking brick wall. Uh, I I don't know what to think of Mark Bergevin. This is a guy who, as of a few weeks ago, still says that the best move he's ever made as a general manager, ever made, was a Shea Weber trade. Ever! They've won two playoff games since he fucking made that trade. What are you talking about? I, I don't know what to make of Mark Bergevin. I don't know if he's good or bad. We, no one's ever known since he's been there. I still don't know what to make of it because for every good move he makes, he makes a bad move. So part of me expects him to fucking sign Ilya Kovalchuk to a four-year deal in the next week or two. Like, I have no idea what to expect here. Do I think they should trade him? Hell yes, they should trade him. They should (laughs) trade him because he's better than almost every forward we just talked about. Kreider's the only one I I give. I think he's better than Toffoli, to be honest with you. I'm not as high on Toffoli as people are. Toffoli's good, not great. Kovalchuk's got a high ceiling. He's, he's demonstrated that. If he's motivated, and, you know, there's reason to believe that if you move him, he'll be motivated. His his advance numbers are great in Montreal. That's another thing, too. Like, people talk about him producing. He, he's also been an, an elite possession player since he's been there. Granted, Montreal is a good possession team as is. But, um, Kovalchuk's fit in well there. Uh, there are a lot of teams that I think could use him. But... The issue is that, you got to go back to it, is is it's also Ilya Kovalchuk. And this is also, you know, as much as Bergevin's an enigma, so is Kovalchuk. I don't know what to make of the guy. And I don't know that, you know, for example, obviously Calgary could use some goal scoring. We go back to, you know, that conversation we just had. Does he fit in Calgary? Does he fit with Jeff Ward? Does he fit with some of the personalities in that room? That as far as I'm concerned, they seem to be quite a fragile team. And I don't know if a personality like Kovalchuk fits in or not, because by some accounts, he's selfish. By other accounts, he's one of the most professional players in the league. Takes it super seriously, apparently. I don't know what to make of him. He, he, he in his later years, reminds me a lot of, of Alexei Kovalev, where it's just like, it's a crapshoot. There's obviously ability there, but what are you getting? Um, do I think they should trade him? Yes. Having said all these nice things about Ilya Kovalchuk, if I'm another team, I don't know if I'm going after him, because I think the price is going to be... Um, more than what he might bring, and I don't know if he's someone I would want to take the risk on. Having just said that, I think Kovalchuk's better than Toffoli. I'd rather trade for Toffoli, hmm. right? Right. Because you know, you know what Toffoli can and can't do. You definitely know what Kovalchuk can do. It's just, is he going to do it? And I think this is—I think it's a huge risk to take. Uh,
1: to the Montreal Canadiens, a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick. Wow. To the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, couple of That'd be crazy. That'd be crazy. If they can afford it. They don't need to send anything back in terms of salary.
2: You know what's funny about that, too? Is I don't think he fits with McDavid, but he fits real well with sidle, I think. I think so. Right? Worst um,
1: case, he fits with Nuge. Worst case. Yeah. Yeah, I think well,
2: and because that's the thing, right? Like, Cole, I don't think Kovalchuk can fucking keep up with McDavid. Like, a lot of people can't, but like, I, I think I think Kovalchuk would look terrible with McDavid. He, he might.
1: I, I think he's he's also at the same time got the hockey sense to know that I can't keep up with him, so I'm going to go to the places that maybe I should because I'm yeah. playing with McDavid. It would be
2: an interesting thing to see because you know Kovalchuk's going to be trailing on the rush, so exactly. You know, in theory, you should be able to just take him away. Like, you yeah. should be completely able to just eliminate for him from the rush but mcdavid's so fucking good that he might find a way to free up kovalchuk anyway you know what i if mean you're sticking
1: like, a guy in kovalchuk you're taking somebody off mcdavid so yeah 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 um this is an interesting one the yeah. carolina hurricane for what first round pick <laughs>
2: like, for what um, though like like here's like we're talking about all these guys like sure a lot of these guys could go for a first round pick but like none of these guys are worth first round picks no, it's just like in this year, maybe maybe they are. I don't know.
1: The, the it's weird, and
2: you're not talking about anyone with term. Like if you're talking about, sure, you know, if you're you're talking about Coleman and shit earlier. Like the only guy that's actually really got term that probably would get a first round pick is the next guy on the list, who I have no idea how he's ninth because he should be like second or third. Is Kyle Palmieri? Yeah, Kyle Kyle Palmieri gets you a first round pick, I think for sure. Um, but
1: yeah, the, I think like you could maybe package Palmieri and Vatanen and. Maybe there's something there.
2: First and a second, even probably yeah, for that. You know what yeah. I
1: mean? But like, it's the way kinda, the market is. Kind right of weird right? that this is on the list. Yeah, it's 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 it funny. Does... Like I've seen
2: <laughs> them. I've seen them put first round. Like last year, the Jets' first round pick was on the trade bait list, yeah. and it's like, yeah, of course they're fucking trading their first round pick. We all know it. They trade their first round pick. Kevin Hayes comes back. Okay, good trade. Actually worked out well. I like that trade. I still stand by it. I think it was a good trade for the Jets to make at the time, but. I don't I like who who are they trading their first round pick for? You know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. The the one conversation anybody, really.
1: That's the thing though. It's it's anybody. Yeah. On the board. The, every
2: everyone has talked about it and I do sort of wonder that if the next few games go poorly for them. If Carolina's looking at Robin Leonard or Corey Crawford. And if that's something because it's going to cost a first round pick minimum to get them. Either of them. Even Crawford at this point. It's going to cost you a first-round pick. Yeah. And I wonder, like, I I don't love Carolina's goaltending. I think it's shakier than it was last year. And one of the two guys was the goaltender last year. Uh, It it does sort of concern me. Because as Carolina's proven in years past, they can play with the puck as much as they want. But if they give up a few bad opportunities a night, which every NHL team does you know, sooner or later, eventually they're going to make a mistake and the other team's going to score. And can you get those big saves from Marazic? Mm-hmm. Sometimes he can, sometimes he can't. Yeah. You never know until the game comes. No, you're right. Reimer's not Reimer anymore. So, you know, he's okay, but he's he's not J- James Reimer of 2013 who could make a ton of saves, you know.
1: R.I.P. Um, yeah, rest in peace. Yeah, you're right. Number nine here is kind of weird. Kyle Paul Mary. Uh, like him a lot. Should be a little higher maybe, yeah,
2: but regardless... I, I like him a lot at 4.65 for another year. He's got 41 points in 54 games. Then the on the, the knock on Pyle on pile, Mary, is that uh, he can't stay healthy, and that is the truth. But um, if you can keep him healthy, he's oh, a hell of a player. He's
1: only missed six games this year. It no, and that's... not That's just it. Yeah. Six, that's it. Eh? Yeah,
2: um, yeah I, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot to like with Paul Mary, and especially the fact that he's got another year left on that term. He's 29. Um... He's a good fit for a team that thinks they're good this year and can compete next year. And again, I go back to even though they traded a lot of assets already, he fits well in Pittsburgh. Uh, he fits well in Colorado. Um, he he's a type of guy that I think you could plug in into a lot of these lineups that are that are in the playoff race. Again, I go back to Winnipeg. I think he fits the way the Jets play. Even though he's a smaller body, he plays a bigger game. And uh, yeah. I got two teams that came to mind immediately
1: okay. um, when we brought this guy up. The first of which being the New York Islanders. Um, yeah. Lou Lamorello, you know, drafted him. Right. Loved him. Um, they could use the winger depth, and I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised, but the fact that they've already gone out and made a deal with the Islanders already this or set the Devils this week, maybe something's missing there. The other team that I think, you know, we haven't talked with them yet, but I think that this is this is somewhere that they could mm. really
2: target Trana, getting some depth on the wing. Toronto. St. Louis Blues. Huh. Um, yeah. I mean, we haven't talked about them yet. They should do something soon because, oh boy, is it looking sketchy there lately. Yeah, lost five in a row. Um,
1: their right wing depth just it. This this could be a match made in heaven. Like they got Tyler Bozak playing top line wing. Mm-hmm. No offense to Tyler Bozak, but not, you know not that a dude's a centerman. Yeah, <laughs> the guy is. I watched him for nine years. The guy's through yeah. and through a centerman. Um, David Perron, you know, he's fine. He's 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 an all star. Like he's he's gonna be probably your best right winger. After that, you got Jordan Kyrou and Alex Steen. Alex Steen, uh, love him. Uh, not one to stay healthy. So, you know, I, I'd be really skeptical going well, to the playoffs.
2: He's he's fairly washed too. Is that's, the problem, and
1: that's the thing, right? So. I really like the idea of the Blues going after a guy like Paul Mary and especially having him from next season and yeah I didn't talk about the big fish in the room Tarasenko's coming back at some point but he's not back yet yeah you gotta make the you know the playoffs; they're going to make the playoffs, but you know you got to put yourself in a good situation going into the playoffs. Well, that's the thing,
2: right? You can't just fucking back into the playoffs and, and and you know what I mean, finish second or third or even win the division having played shitty the last thirty games of the season. Like if the if if the St. Louis Blues taught us anything last year, it's that you need to come into the playoffs you know with some momentum. And the Blues, I can't believe I'm saying this, don't have a lot of time to get their shit together here because uh, I don't know what their issues been, but they need to fucking figure it out really quick here. So, yeah, I don't know. I actually, I don't hate that. Um, making the contracts work beyond this year might be a bit of a challenge, but, um, you know, you figure that out this summer, right? That's the thing. Like, yeah. you know, if you got to trade Palmieri again, you, you're trading him at, you know, for one more year at 4.65 at most. If the Devils can retain on him, even better. And you have a better chance of trading him this summer. If they can even get him to retain, yeah. you know, 25% of that, and that's a big help.
1: I hate to say it, but, you know you're going to take a little over $3 million off the books this summer when Jay Bowmeister comes off. You know, I, I don't know if the guy's ever going to play hockey again. If he does, he well, would, he's I mean, a UFA. So yeah, I was you know.
2: going to say, injury aside, he's not going to be making $3 million next year anyway, yeah. right? Like, even so. Say that didn't even happen. Jay Bowmeister was going to be getting a pay cut this summer anyway. Right. So if he does come back, if he is healthy, he is a, a St. Louis Blue, it's still going to be at less money, like, automatically. Mm-hmm. There was no way he was ever going to make that. Um I have to add one team in here that I think Palmieri fits very well in, and it's another team that I have not mentioned once. Uh, You brought up the Blues. I bring up the Arizona Coyotes. Um, Their forward group concerns me quite a bit, and a lot of the reason is at center. But eventually, if you have enough wing depth, you can kind of move them around, and and hopefully you can figure something out within that. Um, Especially him having term, I think that he's a good fit for Arizona because that's another team right now, kinda like the Blues, that uh they need to do something because I, I Taylor Hall has not fit there and you know, I think Paul Mary fits their style a little bit more. I was never really sure about Taylor Hall as a fit in Arizona other than the fact that he's really good. Um, I think Paul Mary plays a lot more of the style that uh that the Coyotes play, and yeah. I think that would be a good get for them. You know, he, he played out west for a lot of years, and I, I think uh, you know he can he can go back out west and and play just as well.
1: My only hesitant uh, to see with the Coyotes is that they got Hesticancy. They got four killer games coming up here, and at the end of them, they might be sellers instead of buyers. Mm-hmm. So I, I I agree with the the fit. I just don't know if the Coyotes are going to be uh, actively you know searching out guys like. Kyle Palmieri.
2: Yeah, uh, well, I think it's more too because he has that extra year of term, right? Like, it's um,
1: it's interesting. It adds a layer of you know option for for more teams than maybe should be in on him. You're right. Because so. at
2: the, at the end of the day too, when you when you look at next year, right? Like you got Phil Kessel. You don't really know what you have in him right now. You, you still got Schmaltz, Dvorak, Keller signed for next year, and beyond that, like you're going to lose Taylor Hall more than likely. So I think. Palmieri's a, a good fit there next year, too. And uh, it's something that they might want to look at.
1: Yeah. Um, Andreas Anthony Sioux, the youngest guy
2: we've mentioned so far. Edmonton. Edmonton? Edmonton. Interesting. Uh, Edmonton likes to play with speed. And uh, Anthony Sioux might be one of the only guys in the league that I would argue could be faster than McDavid. Uh, he's very fast. He's very good. I like him a lot. I think he fits very well in Edmonton. Because he can play any position, any role, he's great. Yeah, I don't, I don't, like I, don't mag-
1: I don't disagree. But that's going to take some magic from Ken Holland to make the money work. So um, he's probably at the upper limits of what they can probably afford to bring back. Um, it'd be interesting. You're right. Like I, the the speed that those two guys could generate together would be, you know, fun to watch. So um, beyond that, I I don't know. He's, an interesting, he's interesting because he's an RFA. So, yeah. you know, the Red Wings, you know, if they decide they like him, uh, they have every right to keep him and hang on to him and determine where he plays next season. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't necessarily know if I think he's on the move, but I guess we'll find out. Uh, Dylan DeMaio, uh, defenseman for the Ottawa Senators. Uh, right-handed side, uh, coming in real cheap, $900,000. Uh, take your pick. Uh, sorry uh to Sens fans but this guy could literally go anywhere Mm -hmm. I don't don't know like I don't have this isn't a guy like you know Martinez or or even Brendan Dillon where you can say that he's a top four defenseman he's
2: top six he's an NHL
1: defenseman sometimes he's
2: going to be a seventh guy um, DeMello is hard to evaluate because he's been on the Senators, right? And, and sure. you know, like he passes the eye test more just to compare to a year ago. Like he passes the eye test way better than a Cody CC does where, you know, some of his underlying numbers don't look as amazing, but it's like, you know, he actually does know how to defend out there. He can move a little bit better, you know, things like that. So, um, yeah, you know what? I, I like DeMello. DeMello is a guy who's been linked to a lot of teams and, and I would be, Fairly surprised if they don't trade him. Uh, Again, this is a guy who I think is a fantastic fit in Winnipeg. Uh, I actually think he makes a lot of sense for the Leafs too because uh, as the Leafs uh, are looking for a defenseman, it looks increasingly unlikely that they're going to get Josh Manson. Um, But the issue is that, you know, does Sheldon Keefe finally understand that Timothy Lilligren is better than Cody Ceci and maybe Lilligren is your rental, you know what I mean? Rent Like, he is the guy that, sure. instead of Leafs trading for a defenseman, they're just going to keep Timothy Lilligren up. Um, you know, uh, again, like, Pittsburgh could use some depth on D, and like I said, their right-handed D is a little bit better than their left-handed D, but, um, you know, they could use the help. The Islanders are another team that I think could really benefit from uh, from Dylan DeMello. Um, Columbus
1: Blue Jackets, again, another team that...
2: Yeah, because I mean, they're going to go for it. Their, their blue line does drop off, and he is a guy that I don't know if he's going to cost them a ton yeah. to acquire. Um, Edmonton. Sure. Uh, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. A lot of options for sure for DeMillo. Um Here's an interesting one 40 year old chasing the cup, Patrick Marlowe. Ex Hurricane, ex Maple Leaf. Um, both those teams have actually been connected to uh, possibly bringing bring him into the fold. Could you imagine he ends up back on the Leafs? Yeah. For that cap hit?
2: That'd be so why funny. Not? That'd be um, so funny.
1: We talked a lot about the speed with Atkinson. Well,
2: CEO. I'll tell you why not. Is because I think the Leafs have about 19 players uh, that play forward that are better than Marlowe at this stage, but um well yeah.
1: if they keep getting hurt uh <laughs> yeah i mean that like that's the thing right like you Dropping bring up like flies. you bring up igor korshkov and it's <laughs> like yeah he's
2: pretty good but like fuck he might blow his knee out yeah. tomorrow for all we know right so
1: uh we talked about Afanasyev and the speed factor Paddy
2: marlowe he's still got some wheels he's the he's the anti-speed he, i think but, oh is he yeah i don't i don't oh, think okay. it's looked horrible when i watched them this year but um yeah i don't know he's fine i don't think he moves at all no way. I don't see. I don't see gonna chase the cup. No. This is it.
1: No. Yeah. Tires exactly. as a as a shark.
2: I think that's more important to him at this point. To be honest with you, no, I don't know the guy. I could be wrong.
1: No trade protection, so there's there's True. nothing to say the sharks can't do what they want. But you're right. Sure. I'm sure he's respected enough in that dressing. I
2: I got to be honest with you. I don't think the return. Uh, is going to even justify, you know what I mean? I don't think well, they're getting almost anything for him.
1: And I would agree with you if I didn't watch Jerome again, like get traded for literally nothing a few seasons ago. Sure. So.
2: Yeah, but, but but the difference was that Jerome McGinley was not getting traded by the Calgary Flames at the time. Like, he was getting traded by, you know what I mean, a team that he had no fucking affiliation with, whereas the Sharks might just say, yeah, like, instead of taking that sixth-round pick, let's just yeah. let's just wrap it up here and... Yeah, have a nice farewell tour maybe maybe not i mean you know you would think that'd be happening but i would have thought you'd hear more of an announcement by now maybe so he's had a better uh, season than i thought he would
1: okay. and i know he's only had 20 points sure. but that's probably 18 points more than i thought he'd have this year so okay uh I interesting to say the least it's it's something kind of fun going into the weekend because you're, this is a guy that i'd love to see win a cup it's just whether he not he wants the cup more I, so than he wants to be a shark.
2: I, I'll say this: is if there's a team that if there is a team that can make it work to bring him and the guy underneath him on the trade bait list together to try to win a cup, I think maybe they move together. But I think more than likely, what's going to happen is that the only thing that's going to fucking bring a packed house into that rink at the end of the year for the last home game is that it's going to be Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe's last game as San Jose Sharks. So, um, again, I understand what you're saying. Like, do the Sharks care about something like that? If I'm the general manager, no. But I don't know if you're getting Thornton a wave. And if Thornton's not waving and you're not getting much for Marlowe, I don't know if you're making the move. Because it's also not like the, the cupboards are incredibly stocked in San Jose. It's not like you've got... Prospects knocking at the door trying to get Into the lineup and these guys are holding them out Like there's really there's really Nothing like they have there's plenty of roster Spots to play these young kids in right now They don't have the young kids to play Yeah. So I, well, I don't know And that's the thing like are you going to throw A shitty You know borderline AHL kid Up in the NHL this year and have him get Absolutely fucking roasted or Are you just going to keep throwing a Marlowe in there that At least can be placeholders for now um,
1: I'd rather toss the AHL kid in there drop a few spots and get a better draft pick but
2: that's true but if, it, if it's someone you think has potential and you're literally ruining their potential by them yeah, getting roasted in 10 games I'm, at the end of the year I I'm do
1: sure you can find some career 30 year old AHLer that you're not gonna ruin their career by giving them a cup of coffee at the end of the year but hmm. you're right if it's a prospect we're talking about then absolutely not don't don't even bother but yeah. uh, Joe Thornton is next on the list $2 million cap hit also 40 years old, 40 years old, sorry, also chasing his first Stanley Cup. Let me tell you which team uh, might be willing to uh, take on $2.7 million uh, between Marlowe and Thornton. Uh, Dallas Stars. Toss Joe Thornton onto your third-line center position. You, you know, hook those guys back up with Joe Pavelski. <sighs> Don't hate it. Mm-hmm. Don't hate it. Dallas Stars, not great at center uh, this season. Uh, Tyler Sagan, he's perfectly fine. Uh, Joe Podolsky, perfectly fine when healthy. Uh, But beyond that, uh, that is uh, not the kind of center depth I would want going into the playoffs, especially a team like Dallas, where I think that they've got a legit chance to go pretty deep. Um, Bring in a veteran guy like Joe Thornton. Uh, Worst case, he can't cut it. He sits in the press box, maybe plays... You know, one playoff game and gives you some experience in the dressing room. You know, kind of a you know one of those guys that's been there, done that. Uh, and and if and if you want to go the extra step of what you suggested, you know, bringing in Patrick Marlowe as kind of a, a bonus, uh, why not? You know, I, I think it'd be fantastic to see those two guys along with Pavelski chase down another cup somewhere else that's got a realistic chance of winning it.
2: Yeah, I don't, uh, I. I... Uh, I don't know. Thor- Thornton's been real bad this year, so I, I, I don't. I still think that their sentiment are better.
1: Well, yeah. But... So is San Jose, though. So um, is it a product of Joe Thornton being bad or San Jose being bad? A little bit of both, maybe.
2: Well, San Jose's bad because Joe Thornton is bad. I think. Ooh, but...
1: Don't know if I agree with that one. Yeah. Well,
2: he's, he's not an adequate centerman. Like he just isn't anymore. Well, he's, he's, yeah, he's the Sharks not a contender it. either. Like it's yeah. I But like... I mean, like like this is the guy that they're playing to be. You know, decent, and you want a better team to play Thornton in the same role and have better results. Yeah, I. It's like he's going to be just know. as bad there.
1: I, I I think he would be better somewhere else. Is all.
2: Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know. I think the 40, 40 year old is forty, but. Huh. um Yeah. I, I I wish him the best. I'm a big Joe Thornton guy, but I I I don't see the fit in Dallas whatsoever. I I, I again, like I I don't. I don't really know if I see a fit many places. Like Arizona's a team that needs a centerman, and he's better than some of the guys they've got. Because holy shit, they suck at center, but um, they also haven't been great lately. I, I don't know. I, I going back to what I said. I just I don't really see a market for Joe Thornton. If I'm another team, I'm not in the market for Joe Thornton. It's 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 too late. Uh
1: Derek Grant in Anaheim.
2: Uh, I don't know who this is. No. Never really? Heard
1: of, never heard of Derek Grant. Uh, I worked with a John Grant. I, I think his son's
2: name was Derek. I could be wrong, and I'll have to look it up. But I believe you are besmirching the good name of Stanley Cup champion Derek Grant. Um, yeah, I don't know. Derek Grant's good. He's I, like well, I wouldn't maybe not good, but he's fine. No, actually, he wasn't on the Penguins that year. That's too bad. Uh, wow, cup of coffee in the playoffs, actually. Well, maybe he's not the guy you want in the playoffs. I don't know. Uh, he's, he's okay. I I don't know. He's, he's a good depth player, but he's, he's only high up on this list because as you move down, although the good players, you know, there's some really good players lower on this list. Derek Grant's like at least a player you can say with almost certainty is probably going to get traded. So, um, like that's why he's so high, right? Okay. Um, Derek Grant is a good fit to go back to Pittsburgh, I think, and um, provide them with some depth. Uh, as we just talked about teams that are not good at center, that is where Arizona and Dallas come in, I think. Um, you know, I, I think Derek Grant sort of fits the um, the Western Conference a little bit. He's a bigger body, plays with grit, and, um, you know, the Jets are another team that, again, Grant fits for. It's just a matter of uh, who's going to get him. Uh, Grant is another name. Much like who did I who did I say earlier? Brennan Dillon. Uh, Grant's another guy. Uh, Grant is going to get traded at the deadline. It's just a matter of where I think. And um, to be honest with you, he's not great, but I think he's a good depth addition for just about anyone. Fair. fair enough. Uh,
1: Mike Hoffman, no trade. Um, not gonna yeah, happen. Yeah, I, I, like why is he on this list?
2: Uh, he's been linked to a lot of trade rumors. I, I okay. mean, yeah, because I mean the issue with Mike Hoffman is Mike Hoffman, uh, by all accounts, is the Mike Hoffman that. Uh, People seem to have reported a few years ago, and Mike Hoffman seems to be a bit of a, a nuisance in the locker room. Has been the reports, so okay. um, he may or may not get traded. I'm just going to say he's probably not going to get traded. He's really good, and I don't yeah. think I don't think I, I think teams are going to be willing to pay to get Mike Hoffman. But Florida's also going to be like, yeah, no, we trying to make the playoffs here. Yeah, that's so, the thing. Yeah, like, know, the I, only
1: reason like you'd trade him, I think, is if you're bringing somebody back to replace him. Yeah, like, which like, doesn't if make, you make any want to sense. Flip really, Hoffman right? for Palmieri? Sure, maybe. But that doesn't make sense for really either team. No, a
2: so. uh, bad trade for the Devils, actually. Yeah. Uh,
1: okay, yeah, I don't know. I probably wouldn't trade him either. No. But uh, uh, Barkley Goodrow.
2: Yeah, are you not familiar with him?
1: No. Is okay. this there's uh, a British Lord? Uh, Barkley Goodrow scored
2: the uh, series-winning goal last year in the uh, Sharks' uh, epic comeback against the Vegas Golden Knights in Game 7. Um, he was also a subject of Twitter fame this week when a video of him surfaced uh, sitting on the bench with Bob Bugner leaning on the back of his helmet with his arm in Goudreau's face. And Goudreau kind of like nudged Boogner's arm up and got off the bench. It was fucking hilarious. I did see that video. Uh, yeah, that was Barkley Goudreau. Uh, we love him. Um, I actually do like Barkley Goudreau. I think, he's, I think he's a good depth player. There's a lot of positives to his game that Derek Grant has. And Goudreau's actually just a better player, I think. Um, I like Goudreau. I think he's a good fit with just about any playoff team. But it kind of goes back to what we were saying. Uh, he's not anything spectacular either. He's just going to be a good depth guy that plays with a lot of grit. Um, he is a guy I would absolutely love the Toronto Maple Leafs to scoop up because he is a younger player from Toronto with some size that is used to playing on the fourth line. Um, will the Leafs get him? More than likely not. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Again. Arizona, Dallas, Pittsburgh, <laughs> Edmonton, you know, like, yeah, yeah, Winnipeg. Like, he'd be a good fit for a lot of these teams. But um, whether or not he goes, we'll see.
0: Hmm. All
1: hmm. right. Uh, I have heard of this next guy, hmm. uh, Chris Tierney from the Ottawa Senators. A little younger, uh, also an RFA, uh, similar to uh, uh, FSU that we mentioned earlier. I don't know. I, I This is another guy where, yeah, I, I know that Ottawa is trying to Get the rebuild going, but I don't know why you trade him. Uh, at least not now. I would hang on to him. And you the gotta, reason, you, you got to pay someone next year. The but...
2: only reason being is if you get a Coleman or a Zucker type uh, return, which Tierney might actually get you, just because he is a restricted free agent. Because um, I like, I, I don't think Chris Tierney's getting any better than what he is. Like he's you know a, a decent second line, third line center, I guess. Like I, I wouldn't even go as far as second line, but. Um, he's okay. You know, again, just a, a higher end Goudreau Grant, like a decent depth center um, that has club control. So yeah, he might get you a pretty good return, to be honest with you. If he doesn't, then hang on to him. But um, you know, it's not like we're talking about a high end prospect here. It's just a decent younger yeah. forward. So yeah, I don't
1: know. Uh, not really sure what the end game there would be for Ottawa, because like I said, like, I know that the, the ideal world is to trade away all your expiring contracts and get a ton of prospects and picks, but you still have to ice a lineup next season, and someone's going to have to play at some point. So, yeah, that's a guy that I just think is very steady, Eddie, that you can just bring back nice and cheap, throw him on your second or third line, and you know what you're getting from him. So, cool. Uh, Eric Gustafson, defenseman out of Chicago, did not realize that he was this cheap $1.2 million. Mm-hmm. Um, having a pretty good season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought he was perfectly good last year. He's you know, keeping it up this year. UFA don't really see a scenario in which Chicago makes its way back to the playoffs this season. So, I mean, while it's it's not out of, it's not impossible, but uh, this is a guy that I, I think that they should move. Unless, of course, they love him to the point where they want to bring him back because I guess someone has to play defense uh, for them at some point. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, again, defensemen, we've, we've talked about this. You know, Winnipeg. Pittsburgh, Toronto, even, yeah. really. Very, um,
2: very good fit for Winnipeg and Pittsburgh, I think. Um, whether or not the Blackhawks are going to want to trade him or if they think they can re-sign him, um, that's one factor. Whether or not they uh, want to trade him and they want to keep him in the division to a city like Winnipeg where he might be yeah. signed again is another risk. Like, Do they want to play against him in the future? Um, it depends how good they think he is. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I Honestly, this is a guy I don't think is going to get traded.
1: Yeah, he's a guy that I could see the Blackhawks kind of saying... You Good know, fit for anyone, pretty he's much. He's our so. guy that we're going to run with as our maybe top-line defense next season. Yeah. If they can get him re-signed. And he's,
2: he's, so. he's okay. Yeah. He, he's not great nor nor bad.
1: Yeah. Uh, Pavel Buchnevich out of the New York Rangers. Don't see why they trade him. Don't really get the the allure for the Rangers unless they're getting something fantastic back you know like a first and a, and a prospect and something else but 24 years old he's on a you know 45 50 point pace he's got another year left at a very reasonable cap hit yeah i the rangers in far as i'm concerned should hang on to this guy and see what he's got next season and then decide to move on from him if if he doesn't have anything left in the tank by that point but uh yeah i guess stranger things have happened
2: more talented, less edgy Blake Coleman. Younger. Sure. Like, really, really good. He can get you a good return, I think. Um, but I would I would stick it out with Bucinevich. And um, I guess the debate would be, do you think you can re-sign him next summer? Which, I, you know, is kind of a thing to worry about 16 months from now. But, I mean, if, if he wants to stick in New York, this is the type of guy who I think could play a lot of years in New York. And, um by all accounts, seems to be fairly well-liked by Rangers fans. Can, so. can we
1: go so far as to say that if they trade Kreider, they won't trade Bucinavich and vice versa? But like they, they can't afford to lose
2: both guys, right? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think if they trade Bucinavich, they're going real hard into a rebuild. Um, but I don't think the Rangers are at a spot where, you know, they, they need to start restocking the cupboards. Like, they're... They got a real lot of prospects. It's just a matter of, of, of you know what I mean. What they can do with them. The only thing I, I sort of wonder is if nevich and maybe Lias Anderson end up getting packaged for a bigger piece that maybe we don't see getting traded from another playoff, like a non-playoff team. And you know he's further down this list because the possibility of him getting traded seems to be lower. But like I wonder if maybe they do something like that for Matt Dumba. Mm. And you know, like that's a decent return for Matt Dumba. That kind of gets the, the the wheels moving if you're if you're Minnesota, really. right? So, yeah. um, I think if Buchnevich never gets dealt, it's going to be in a pretty significant trade.
1: Mm. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. hard. It's hard to analyze Detroit's cap the, space. Detroit's cap space. They, they might take yeah. on a bad contract. Exactly, whatever. it's move valuable. let yeah. But let's let's move yeah. on. Like that, 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 we've seen it before. We're going to see it again. It's the way the cap works. you got yeah. a shit ton of cap space and you're a bad team. You make the same argument with Ottawa. Maybe Ottawa takes on a bad contract. This, Ooh, this they do line. like
1: their bad contracts in Ottawa. Mm, so. There it is.
2: There uh, it is. <laughs>
1: uh, Alex Kerfoot. We got, you know what? we got a pair of Maple Leafs here. Let's just kind of group them together. They're, they're very similar in terms mm-hmm. of their cap hit, uh, their production.
2: Well, I mean, you can almost group together these next three names in a way. Like, Kerfoot or Kapanen might get traded for Dumba. Yeah. Uh, if Dumba doesn't go to Toronto, I think Kerfoot and Kapanen are staying. And uh, you heard it here first, folks. Dumba's not going to Toronto. So, there it is. I think that's all. Like I don't really have much else to say. I, I think I think the only other guy that's really out there that's, that's a rumor I could see it happening is if um, the Ducks want to move on from Josh Manson. Which, I don't know why they would want to move on from Josh Manson. So, um, I don't think... Kerfoot or Kapanen get dealt like it's just those are names that are getting floated out there because they have so many forwards and conceivably not enough defensemen so you know again
1: like this is this goes back to what I said earlier like I the the Leafs have a lot of uh, a lot of forwards on paper but no one stays healthy in this market like we talked about it they've had one forward play all season someone else is going to get hurt before the, the week is out Uh, Andreas Janssen just went one of those years. You know what I mean? Like, uh, if if Andreas Janssen's healthy, okay, yeah, sure, maybe we're talking about moving one of these guys. But now they're that much more valuable to the Leafs.
2: Who would you rather move?
1: Of Kerfoot Kerfoot or or Kapanen?
2: It's tough, eh? It is. I I was not really, I was not high on Kerfoot at all the first little bit of the year. I really wasn't liking him fitting in Toronto at all the first little bit. I've come around on him. But as much as I say that about Kerfoot, you know, Kapanen is finally looks like he's a player you know not a, not an amazing one but he's he looks solid yeah and I, I wasn't nearly as high on Kapanen in previous years he's showing me a lot more this year I think uh, over time at least the beginning of the year was a, a disaster for Kapanen. but it's tough like I don't know who I would rather move like I think it's Kapanen by default because he's younger and conceivably will get you more of a return and also doesn't play center. You know, mm. but I I think Kapanen is also the better player of the two.
1: Yeah, it, it is tough. Like I like for sure he is. I, I like, like Kerfoot being locked into that deal for three years. Yeah, Kapanen, by the time his deal's up, he'll be Kerfoot's age. Is he getting twice what Kerfoot's making by that point? Maybe. Say. You know, if he goes yeah. he goes continue to, to to grow the way he has, I don't know. For me, I just rather hang on to both of them, run with Logren and Sandin as your. Deadline acquisition. Yeah, I don't, I don't see either of these guys
2: yeah. moving. What do you think about Brodeen, who's 24th on the trade bait list? You think that's a guy who moves?
1: It's tough. Uh, he's, got, he's got a lot of upside as far as I'm concerned. He's relatively cheap, but uh, you, know, you got another year of him next year, which is nice. But he's a left defenseman. And a lot of teams... You know, Winnipeg Jets, yeah, sure, maybe take a run at Jonas Brodine. I don't see the Wild trading one of their better defensemen to a division rival. But it's tough. The market for a left defenseman is not great. The Habs come to mind, but they're not in the playoff hunt, relatively speaking. Good fit it's, for it's, Montreal, It's I nice think, to but. say that, yeah, that's the thing. He's got another year left, so Montreal can kind of build on that, maybe. But that's about it. I, I don't really it's know. Still young
2: too. just 26, 36. right? So.
1: Yeah, he could really come into his own. I, I think he's a perfectly good defenseman. I just don't know really what team is going after him too aggressively when, mm-hmm. considering the other names in the list, right? So, uh, Wayne Simmons still plays hockey. Uh, sure. Honestly, it wouldn't shock me if if someone decided that they want to take a stab at this guy again. Yeah. Uh, pretty expensive. No one's really jumping out to me in terms of, you know, they got to have him.
2: Um, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't see Wayne Simmons as a fit for anyone. I think Wayne Simmons is on his very last legs as an he NHL player. He shouldn't be. That's
1: so. the thing, right? He shouldn't be. But I yeah, a team might look at it and be gonna, like, "Yeah, Wayne Simmons
2: know. was the perfect hockey player five years ago, so let's trade for him now." Yeah, uh, underlings are all bad. Eye test is bad. Like I don't know, he, he's washed. Um, you know, if, the, if you want him, he's a good dude. But yeah, uh, actually, you know where he is a good fit. Never mind, New York Islanders they got plenty of fucking Wayne Simmons. Let's uh, add another one. Why not? Fuck yeah, it.
1: You know what? I think we may have found a, a match for that uh, Detroit Red Wings cap space.
2: Mm, oh, boy. Uh, Could you imagine? The, the The devils don't even need the cap space. They just want to get rid of Wayne Simmons. Yeah. That'd be cool. Uh,
1: okay. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. Josh Anderson did not realize he was doing this bad this year
2: he's been hurt quite a
1: bit yeah yeah um, uh
2: he won't get traded he'll they'll stick it out with him as as they should should yeah Yeah, he's he's a good player
1: don't trade josh anderson yeah
2: i I still think he's a good player anyway i mean maybe maybe this is actually uh the real josh anderson but when you've been in and out of the lineup with injuries all year i'd like to believe that that's more or less what's going on with a guy like that when you've played less than half the year right like
1: um, and that that is good. Kind of good of underlines
2: thing. too. Like not great, but good considering his production's been bad.
1: It is kind of the theme, though. He's like he has missed a lot of time in NHL. So mm-hmm. hopefully that's not how we come to remember him. But yeah, uh, Anthony De, uh, D'Angelo uh, again
2: a, a fit. I think if they're going after Dumba or someone else, that's maybe a little more experienced. And um, but I don't see the Rangers trading D'Angelo because I think. As much as he is maybe a questionable dude away from the ice, he seems to be pretty good on the ice, and uh, it seems like the Rangers do like him, so I, yeah. I would hang on to him. I don't, I don't the the him. only issue is that do you want to pay him what he's probably going to ask. And yeah. if, Angel- if Anthony D'Angelo's past has taught you anything, uh, he, he might get into a bit of a nasty negotiation here, so we'll see.
1: Yeah, and you know what, the Rangers know that, so they, they kind of determine their own future. Yeah. Uh, Shane Gostis-Bear.
2: Has been linked to Vegas, which I think is interesting because Vegas doesn't have a lot of money. And Goss no. Bears got a bigger contract and hasn't played well for a while. And um, again, i I think that's way too complicated of a move to get into uh, at this point. Like, I I, I don't know. He might fit he might help teams right now, but I don't know if any teams are willing to take on that contract at this stage of the year because of how good he's going to be, you know, or how good he might be for them down the stretch. Like I think it's just too much of a of an unknown. And I don't understand how Gosses Bear gets moved. Now that said, like there are teams that could take the risk. You know, it's still at four point five. It's not a horrible contract. Uh, and his underlings have been good, but he hasn't produced any offense for a few years and um, isn't amazing defensively either, but uh, he might fit well in in Winnipeg again, faster team that could use a defenseman, Pittsburgh, but are Philadelphia and Pittsburgh going to do a deal? Not likely, Um, you know, Arizona's maybe a a team that could use a defenseman like that with some term, uh, because, you know, who knows what Shalmerson and the long-term health of him and Demers and guys like that is going to be. Uh, you could go on and on, but I, I just I don't see a fit for anyone at this stage.
1: Yeah, one one team that comes to mind, but I, I, I don't see how Philadelphia and, and Montreal get hooked up when they're both chasing the same goal. Uh, could be, you know, hey, when you get a winger, you need a defenseman. We'll make something where a Kovalchuk for Goss's bear deal
2: comes together. Ooh, I thought you were going to say Drew in. Ooh, that would I mean, that'd be cool. Uh,
1: but yeah, you're right. Like, there's just I don't like Philadelphia. Like again, they're right there. Maybe there's more value in just hanging out to this guy than, than trying to force a, a trade. But uh, again, the coming week will tell. Uh, Andre Kasha, a very interesting name.
2: Big, big fan. Very big, big fan.
1: Real cheap. Uh, one more year. Pretty young. Not having a great offensive year, but uh, the potential is definitely there. Yeah. Um, I think the Ducks got to move on. I know it's kind of weird to say for a 24-year-old, uh, but I, I think the Ducks going to be pretty bad for a well, while. Well,
2: yeah, it's it's just like I don't know if, if this is one of the guys that's really going to push the rebuild forward. Like, he's a good complementary middle six piece, but he's not a star. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's the thing. He 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 is another guy, like, going back to, we haven't said this in a few names, uh, he fits pretty much any team. Uh, he's a very good possession player with a lot of skill, who works very hard. Um, a lot of, There is a lot of upside to Andre Kasha, and I, I feel like, A lot of people don't really know that because, I mean, uh, like a lot of people never really used to watch the Ducks. I know a lot of people uh, on the Eastern market definitely don't watch the Ducks anymore because there's not much to watch, and Andre Cash is one of the guys there is to watch. Uh, Fits well, again, with pretty much any of these teams because almost any team uh, could shore up their top nine winger depth, and Casha is exactly that. Uh, good fit in Colorado, I think. Um, definitely a good fit in Winnipeg, uh, but again, like, do they view themselves being that into the into the into the trade market or not? Um, like, I'd be tempted to say Nashville on this one, but the issue with Nashville is I don't really know what their bottom six and what their top six is right now because I don't think John Hines knows what it is. Mm. I, I don't know if this is more of a situation where. Um, like, the, the argument in New Jersey was that John Hines was weird with his ice time because it was the team was bad. And, you know, there's still an argument in Nashville. Some people have said that he's still trying to get a feel for the team. And, well, it's been a month now. Like, you should have a little bit of a better feel for a team. Like, right. I, I don't know. I've coached teams and I got a feel for the fucking roster after a month and I see them way less than John Hines sees his players. So, I I, I don't know. Like, I, I think Cash is a fit for what they need. But does, you know, is the coach going to use them properly? Uh, Vancouver is a team that I think Casha fits very well, um, just because they're a fast, skilled team that don't necessarily have a lot of winger depth, and, uh, you know, maybe the Ducks can take back a a Roussel or something and eat the last couple years of that bad contract, uh, Brandon Sutter, you know, something like that, but Sutter's, I believe, got a no trade, so, um, yeah, it makes it tough, but Casha's a good player, I think he'd be a good fit anywhere, it's just whether or not the Ducks want to move him.
1: Yeah. uh one team we haven't mentioned yet that I think could take a good hard look at uh, Andre Kasha uh, Florida Panthers uh, they're trying to you know keep alive their playoff hopes they have been you know riddled with injuries on their bottom six to the point where they got you know eight defensemen yeah picks. that's
2: true actually I didn't think um, about that.
1: and they got all their picks like they, they got all the picks they want to trade away they have you know they could make the cap work you know in a way that you know they're not too far off right now they could easily make something happen i think um and they definitely need a forward up there uh, sooner than later so rasmus ristolainen as we enter year 17 of him being traded by the buffalo Sabers, five and a half million dollars is a lot of money for this guy
2: yeah i liked the tweet this week where uh the, there was an article by, like, the Buffalo Star or something, and it's like, the Sabres need to trade Rasmus Ristolina before it's too late. And uh, someone, quote, tweeted it with a picture of Drake's, uh, if you're reading this, it's too late album cover, uh, which sums that up for sure. Yeah. Uh, not not a fan. think that's way too much money for this guy and two more years. Um, I've never really seen it with Rasmus Ristolina. I don't get the appeal. Uh, he can't defend. He's very average offensively. Um, this is if Sammy Vatanen had more size and and somehow was a worse defenseman. Yeah, I don't, I don't, the, the only I don't thing, get it with Risto, yeah. and and maybe there's untapped potential. That's was the, the argument before? Yeah. He's twenty five. Yeah. Seen enough of him. Like he's played under a lot of different coaches, and he seems to be part of the problem in Buffalo. So I I, I don't get it. If a team wants to take the risk and see if maybe he can find his game again, but um, as far as I can tell, he he yeah. just isn't that's, an NHL that's the defenseman. Only really. lining
1: is. How many guys have we seen leave Buffalo and you know find out? Oh shit, this guy can actually play hockey. So maybe, but this is this is a guy where I think the a last lot of their year...
2: systematic problems uh, stem from the fact that this guy plays twenty-two to twenty-five minutes a night. Yeah, break. possibly. So that's my. No, it's just my opinion. I, I'm not saying yes or no, that but that I I think he's part of the problem, and I I wouldn't. Hmm. I don't see him a fit anywhere. To be honest with you.
1: Yeah. Um. We have a goalie to announce. Mm. <laughs> uh, Robin Lehner on the trade bait board at number thirty-one. Yeah, Carolina. That's just the thing, though, right? Liz, is there's not a lot of teams here that need goalies. Like, let's let's be honest. If you're a contender, it's because you probably have a goalie. If you're not, well, then what are you doing trading for a goalie? Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a weird setup. It's always interesting to watch the the. Uh, Goalie market unfold. Uh, TSN hasn't listed as an RFA. He is not. He is a UFA at the end of the season. That'd be a good get. Yeah. So for a couple months worth of work from Robin Leonard, yeah, Carolina would be the only team that might go out and and try to pick him up. You could make the argument for Columbus. You know, if Corpusal is going to be out longer than you know, maybe they think he was going to be originally, but. At that point, you're taking the hot hand out of net and putting in a guy that hasn't played for your team yet, and I don't know. It's tough. Uh, I don't think he gets traded, but he's realistically the only goalie on on the board here that, that could. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're right, Carolina is probably the only team that needs one, barring an injury this week, so
2: yeah, we'll see. Um uh, Arizona would be one team I would think and I know it sounds kind of funny considering they've got Ranta and Kemper who are uh, probably the best goaltending duo in the NHL um, but the issue is that neither of them have been healthy this year and that does concern me for a team that has been you know, very embracing of the fact that they don't necessarily have a, uh, a great team in front of these goaltenders they kind of need their goaltender to be great and Leonard has been great for the better part of the last couple of years. So um, I think it's something to look into. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but, um, you know, it's a team that I think should definitely be taking a look at that possibility. Another team too, like if we're talking about teams that are kind of relying on a certain identity and maybe need to kind of make sure that they've got some sort of a safety net to fall back onto is Edmonton. I, I, Edmonton doesn't have a number one goaltender and, and Edmonton kind of doesn't have a lot of depth. So if there's any sort of breakdown in this team, if, you know, McDavid comes back and he isn't 100% and, you know, is still probably the best player in the league but isn't necessarily himself, you know, he's had a hard time driving the play a lot this year too. Like, you know, he's had more shifts where he's been off than he's been on and the reason being is that he plays so damn much, you know. Who could have ever thought that maybe McDavid would hit a wall, you know? If only there was some sort of a podcast where people said that. Um, you know, Drysdale and McDavid are going to hit a wall no matter what. They could use a little bit of help. And it, it, it depends on the price on Leonard. And that's the thing, I think, that might keep him from getting moved anywhere. Because Chicago really values Leonard. There's no question that he's the better of, of him and Crawford. And definitely is the better option long term. But, you know, if they're going to trade him, I think there are teams that are interested. Edmonton, Carolina, Arizona. Last one I would mention. Hate to do it. Got to say it. Vegas, just they don't have a backup. They don't really have a fantastic starter right now. Um, He's been better lately. Not great. Uh, I would just kind of monitor that. That's all.
1: Yeah, Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say he doesn't get moved. But no, I don't think so. Wouldn't shock me.
2: I I think if he does, I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, Carolina.
1: Right on. Number thirty-two, Ron Hainsey. Why? Uh, three and a half million for a thirty-eight-year-old defenseman?
2: Tirana. God, I hope not. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like Hainsey's uh, Hainsey's a tough one because I mean he he is a good defensive defenseman, but his foot speed is so gone now that um, I don't really know that. He's going to be much of a fit anywhere. The other problem is that Hainsey makes $3.5 million. So even retained, you're talking about Ron Hainsey at almost $2 million. And uh, it's just going to be hard for a playoff team to justify that. Uh, I'll keep beating the broken drum. I mean, like, he won a Stanley Cup in Pittsburgh. Maybe he goes back to Pittsburgh. Winnipeg needs a defenseman. Da, 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 da. But, <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't. Like, uh, uh, there's no team that I can think of that is really going to benefit from paying Ron Hainsey that much money. Probably not. For a few months' worth of work. So, okay. I don't know. I don't see him moving. But uh, Connor Shiri, 27-year-old, $3 million, UFA in Buffalo. Nice. I think he's, a, he's your typical deadline, third-line winger kind of thing.
2: Now, I know I've been unenthusiastic when I've brought this team up uh, many times tonight, but I'm going to bring this up because I think it would be a great move for them. The Pittsburgh Penguins. Let's get that reunion going, baby. I'm down. I love it. I thought Shiri was great in Pittsburgh. I think he fit really well alongside Crosby. Um, I think he's a good stopgap in case Zucker doesn't fit very well in your top six, which is a possibility. So, fuck it. Let's do it. Let's get that reunion going. I don't think he'd be a very expensive get either. Just a draft pick, probably. Um, You know, even if you send back to Buffalo what you initially got for him, which I believe was a third and a fifth or something like that. You know, whatever.
1: Fourth round pick.
2: There you go. Cool. So there you go. Send another fourth round pick. You give him to Buffalo for two years. Rescue him from that hell hole. Let's go. I like Connor Sheary.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't see him going back to Pittsburgh, but that's just me. I think there's a reason they moved on from him. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, this, this is, you're right. This is a guy that could probably go anywhere. Uh, the Oilers need help. We've talked about it. Uh, you know the Flames could use some help uh, on wing. Um, the Blues again, like if, if they can't go out there and, and get someone like Palmieri, then yeah, this mm-hmm. is a much, this is the cheaper version of Kreider and Palmieri. This is your second tier winger that when you lose out, someone else that got them, You know you're, you're going to go out and this is your backup plan. I think in Connor yeah. Sheary. So
2: being that there is. Uh, um, what, 16 more names on the list? Uh, I was going to ask you uh, if you wanted to maybe read off the remainder of the names and if there's anyone that you find particularly interesting... Yeah, let's not, uh, we rapid rapid fire this. Because, let's let's uh, rapid fire this. Craig Smith, I don't think is getting dealt. Oh, come um, on, don't skip
1: Ryan Donato. He's not getting dealt. Oh, though. sorry,
2: I, I did skip Ryan Donato. Yeah, he's uh, not dealt. N- no, I, nope. I don't, I don't get it. Why? I, I don't think he would. It doesn't I mean, make sense. The, the Donato, I think, is a good trade piece if you're trying to bring back a veteran back. But why would the Wild be doing that? Because they seem to have mailed it in uh, by firing their coach. So yeah, uh, Yep, yeah, Craig Smith again. I don't, I don't, don't see it. Does he have no trade
1: protection? I don't know. I can look that up, but I don't think Smith so. Smith would
2: be a good get. I mean, he, he's you know he's another guy that I think plays a style that uh, you can kind of put him anywhere. If you if you trade for him and you put him on your fourth line, he can kind of play uh you know a grittier sort of style. If you put him in your top six, he's proven to be a good depth scorer. It's just Nashville. I don't think is at a point where they're gonna uh, throw the towel in. Yeah, so uh, I, I don't see why they would trade. So that they could, but yeah, they doubt it. They shouldn't trade.
1: Valtteri uh, Filppula. Nah. If he had, if it was a UFA, sure. Uh, he's got another year left. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely not. No, don't get it. Uh, Marco Scandella, Montreal. Nah. Uh, they they only, just traded for They him. only have two left defensemen. Yeah, yeah They just uh, traded for him.
2: Yeah. I, th- I think they like him. He's been okay there. Michael Granlund, I don't see who takes on that contract. But He's a UFA at the end of the year. Sure. Um, but he hasn't particularly been good in about three years now. Yeah, so. he's not playing at a $6 million level for sure. No. So.
1: I uh, don't see that happening. Sam Bennett—that's an interesting one. That's I that's think a, Bennett
2: is an interesting. one. That's a
1: guy that could be used as uh, some sort of interest, some trade chip. You know, we we want to get this guy. We're going to offer you Sam Bennett.
2: A lot of people uh, forget Sam Bennett's 23 years old because he's been in the National Hockey League for about 14 seasons now. So, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. Like that is an interesting one. I I I don't legitimately believe that Bennett's going to find some sort of a top six scoring pace or anything in the NHL. Like I think Sam Bennett is more or less is what he is. And I I don't really know that he's going to have a super long NHL career either, to be honest with you. But I think that he is a usable player, at least at this stage, at this age. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like, you know, if there's something coming back, but it's a matter of finding that right piece, I could legitimately see him being a piece uh, to try and make Kreider work coming back to the flames um i think he's an interesting enough guy but the flames would have to add some assets to that too and um the issue with bennett is i just i don't believe that he's got a hell of a lot of trade value
1: yeah probably not anymore um but he's he's an interesting enough player that i someone will take a flyer on him i'm sure if if the flames want to move on Mm -hmm. so uh number 40 uh Mr. Turbs' favorite guy, uh, Mm. Michael Delzato here. Shout out to
2: Cole Turbide.
1: Yeah. He's only 29 years old, eh? That's actually I keep thinking this guy's like 35. Not going to lie.
2: Maybe he is. This this is... Forged some documents.
1: This is another one of those guys that... uh, He's getting traded. Yeah? Uh, Oh, yeah. Really? That that low cap hit, the Ducks being as awful as they are, there's no reason for them to hang on to a 29-year-old defenseman when they go and get a fifth-round
2: pick. Who's trading for him? any number of
1: teams that need defensive depth we've talked about 10
2: you know what you know what he kind of reminds me of is he looks i'm not saying he's going to go there but he reminds me of someone the jets would trade for in years where they're where they're competitive because like everyone used to chirp kevin Chevel day off for not making trades and he, and he never used to but then once this team's good he makes about eight trade deadline deals and they're all for like a seventh round pick for like a depth defenseman. You remember that year, that first year they made the playoffs when they came back in like 2015 and the yep. deadline came in, they traded for like four defensemen. Like yep. Jay Harrison was one of them. Del Zotto reminds me of a guy that shovel, shovel off might just give him a pick and be like, yeah, we'll take him." Yeah. Sure.
1: Is, is he not good enough to make the Oilers top six? Yeah. He's probably good enough to make that top six. Let's be honest. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a conversation. Yeah. Uh, there's a number of teams I think that could just take him, put him in the press box. You're, you're not paying the guy much, and what's the harm? If someone goes down, you've got a guy that you didn't have before, that probably only costs you a mid-round pick. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's a open and close case for Gonzago. Sure. Okay.
2: Uh, Nate Thompson at Montreal. Nah, nah, they'll keep him.
1: They'll, yeah, probably should.
2: He, I mean, he helps. He, again, he helps center depth. If, if Coyotes want him, Dallas wants him. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, he is a guy that he's your typical trade deadline rental guy. Yeah. And I think, you know, he brings some stuff. He can kill penalties. He can definitely, he's really good in the face off circle, but, um, does anyone want him? I don't know. Yeah. Thomas Baconic 2.0 in a way. Yeah. So, uh, Trevor Lewis in LA. Good, good get. It's just a matter of do the Kings want to trade him? And I don't, I, I think he is a guy that actually, despite being 33 years old, kind of helps move the rebuild along in, in LA. I think you know he's a good veteran guy that people seem to really respect, and um, I like Trevor Lewis a lot. I think he's a really good player. He's one of the best penalty killers I think I've ever seen. So uh, I'll give him that. But um, if anyone wants him, he's nothing more than a fourth line center that is a very good penalty killer. He's or sorry, fourth line winger. Um, he'll he'll you know, be. He can honestly, he could probably play your third line. Like he can, he can survive out there for 14, 15 minutes a night. A Lot of speed. He's very fast. You but... could,
1: you could easily get him. It's just. Whether anyone wants to, yeah. So, uh, Devin Shore, in Anaheim.
2: Well, I, I would say I think the Kings do actually. That might be one of the only guys left from that team that I think they would hang on to. They could sign him to another two-year, yeah. one mil a year kind yeah. of thing.
1: Uh, Devin Shore, Anaheim, 25 years old.
2: I don't remember which Shore this is, but I know none of them are great. So,
1: <laughs> it's fair. Uh, Rocco Grimaldi in
2: Nashville. Good depth. Get again. Nashville's not selling. I don't yeah. think. Uh, Evgeny Dadnov in Florida. Same thing as Hoffman. I, I, if it's part of a bigger deal, uh, part of someone they like a little bit better. It's again, good season. again yeah. uh, Palmieri. But I don't think it makes sense for either side again. so
1: Zach Bogosian, Buffalo.
2: That's an interesting one. It is. Uh, I'm going to say not. Because even retained, he's at about 2.6. I would be somewhat curious if the Jets were... Considering a reunion with Mr. Bogosian, and although he hasn't been great, uh, again, I do believe that he is better than Lucas Spisa. There, I finally said that defenseman that I've been referencing uh, on the Jets' decor. Yeah, I I don't know. Maybe. um, Possession numbers, nothing's great. There's nothing really to look at there anymore, but um,
1: yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Josh Manson, Anaheim.
2: uh... Doesn't get traded. Yeah. Yeah. By by all accounts, he is the most untouchable defenseman on their blue line. So uh, I don't see them trading him.
1: Is there a reason he's on the list then?
2: Well, because he is a sought after asset and probably would get a a good return. Like, there's a really good chance that they can get a first and a second round pick and a prospect for him. So, um, you know, he he is, by all accounts, one of the best defensive defensemen in the NHL. Um, He's one of very few players that you could consider a defensive defenseman that can still move the puck up the ice um he is basically jake muzzin just a little younger with better foot speed so there's a lot to like with josh manson he's just uh yeah honestly i think josh manson's a top 30 defenseman in the nhl i I don't think he gets traded uh kyle turvis kyle turris kyle turvis out of nashville uh if i'm another team i would definitely be interested in kyle turris i think that's the one guy that the Predators would potentially sell off. Uh, I know I say that they're not a seller, but you know, with four years left at $6 million a year, I think they're more than willing to move him. Um, should teams be interested in Kyle Turris, it's tough that he's 30 years old. Uh, you are taking a bit of a risk, but if I'm an opposing general manager, I'm at least taking a look because uh, uh, if Kyle Turris gets back to where he was about 18 months ago, uh, he's a good top six centerman, so...
1: This is the guy that kind of came to mind. Here's the guy when we talked about Brian
2: Little going down. Yeah, yeah. A lot the, the, of
1: cap space in Winnipeg.
2: There, there is, but there isn't long term. So I, I, I don't know if if the Predators want to retain a million and make it a five million dollar deal. I think it's a little easier for the Jets to swing. Uh, and for the Predators to just admit that, you know what I mean, it's, it's not working out and they're willing to eat a million dollars of cap space. I mean, if you look at that a few years down the road, too, you're, you're maybe not talking about, you know, a million is, is nothing. It's chump change to you maybe by then once the cap goes up a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I think there is a fit in Winnipeg because the issue is that, you know, is little going to be healthy long term? Maybe, maybe not. The other thing is that, you know, even when little is healthy, Uh, The Jets seem to view him as a 2B centerman. I don't think they view him as, like, a great second-line center. He's an unreal third-line center. And every year we we come across, like last year, you're looking at Kevin Hayes. The year before, they're looking at adding a centerman. And and it's just, they added Paul Stasny. And it's every year they're talking about adding a second-line center and moving Brian Little down the depth chart. Brian Little's 32 now, and maybe Taurus is your sort of long-term solution as a 2A, and, and Little is a 2B. If Turris can find his game again, I think he's... I, think, I Actually, yeah, I think that is a decent fit. Um, the argument now, though, in Winnipeg is going back to what I said seemingly three hours ago, was that uh, Jack Roslovic. they're hoping this is the time where now he finally steps in as a centerman, steps into that role that they drafted him to play. And, uh, you know, time will tell if he's able to play it, but they might just, you're right, go the easy route and go for Turris.
1: Mm-hmm um uh, Jeff Petrie Montreal
2: he will not get traded no, no I, don't, I don't
1: see it too yeah. expensive no the, like
2: it. the issue is that if if the if the Canadians are want to trade Petrie he should be number one on this list like he's probably one of the best players on this list um but he's down here for the reason Manson for the reason Dadanov are down here is because he's not getting traded he's a very good defenseman he's the best defenseman on Montreal Montreal I don't think is ready to throw in the towel. And I wouldn't be if I were them. I, I think there's still some value to Petrie. Petrie's a guy I think would be a smart player for them to trade this summer at the draft. Uh, because he's got one year left at 5.5 mil. He's 32. Even if they see themselves being competitive next year, do they see themselves re-signing him? Uh, and I would have to think the answer is no. I genuinely think Montreal is a, a few players away from being super competitive. So they got some work to do.
1: Yeah. And uh, number 50, Jesse hmm. Uh 21-year-old. RFA will not be able to play any hockey this season, regardless of if a contract is signed. Bit of a tough get.
2: I like him. Yeah, um, why not? He's 21. Yeah. it's <laughs> uh, not, nothing not to like. The guys had a cup of coffee in the NHL. So
1: And, and it was a bad cup of coffee in, in the sense that mm. uh, it came a few years too early. A,
2: more of a of a uh, Tim Hortons as opposed to a uh, Seattle coffee yes. house. Uh, Whatever
1: they serve in Finland is nice. not my brew.
2: Yeah. Um, Holy, he's played 139 NHL games. Maybe he's had more than a cup of coffee. An extra large, you might even say. <laughs> uh, uh, a super grande. What, what would it be? S- a super grande? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what, like, an uh, an what extra thing? large. What's an extra large coffee? Extra large coffee. Yeah, you, you talk. I'll Some, look up someone coffee. Someone broke
1: down his numbers with... Uh, Playing with McDavid back in 2017 2018, and uh, this guy made Connor McDavid better somehow. Like, I, I'm mm, not
2: a venti, is what I was looking sure. for. He's had he had a venti.
1: I think he was really uh underutilized by Edmonton. I think they rushed him in and expected too much from him too soon. I hope that this guy can get back to uh, you know, the fourth overall potential that he had because I'm not gonna lie to you, um, I'm a big Patrick Laine fan. I thought Jesse Puliarvi was the better player going into that draft. That's wild. Oh, and, it, and like, I'm, I'm sorry, but that's just, and it's, that's only based on what I saw at the World Juniors, which I realize is not a big sample size. Mm. It shouldn't be what you take away at the end of the day, but he was a guy that I, I really thought was going to be um, a, a big piece of the image on others, and they chose to handle him poorly, and he wants out. And I support him completely, and I hope he gets out. And I hope some team that realizes that they can't use him this year. Uh, uses one of their chips to go out and get him. Uh, maybe a New York Rangers a la Kreider. Maybe a LA Kings a la Toffoli, as I mentioned. Something like that. I, 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 why Why wouldn't Edmonton trade him? He's never going to sign there. He's made that evident. Move on. Get rid of him. Mm-hmm. It's, it's time to go. So, uh, Yeah, it's either now or the draft, I guess. So we'll, we'll see if it's now.
2: Okay. Yeah, I, I hope they move him. Yeah. Best of luck to him.
1: Easy, easy,
2: enough. Yep. Okay. That's pretty much. Was, <laughs> that was there? Was, that was there? A long one. Was there a team? Do you, like? Do you think anyone's going to be overly aggressive? Because we talked about where these guys will be fits. Is there anyone that you think is going to Jeez. be overly aggressive? You think so?
1: They got a lot of money now. Sheldon Dayoff has proved that in the last couple of seasons he's been a deadline guy. I think he has to go all in. Like I, I honestly, like I don't wonder if if he's kind of playing for his job this season. Mm. Like I it sounds crazy, but he like he kinda fucked up last summer. And I, I know the buffling thing isn't really his fault, but he lost like sixty percent uh, of the defense in one summer.
2: The the yeah, I I don't know if he f- fucked up, but the the thing is with Chevel Day off is is he's like maybe ten percent too patient sometimes. Like I I I still agree that I think long term he did the better thing by not making any rash decision to try to like this isn't a team that I look at as being like the time is now. Like, no, they got a lot of years. Like Wheeler's really the only aging core member to me. And um, Bufflin, now he's gone. So I, I think there's still time for them. So I, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't do anything rash and definitely don't bring on any bad contracts that are too risky. Um, because I think the Jets are a team that the stugger, the, the cupboards are not stocked. They're not empty either. They've, they've got some good players coming up that I think like, I, I think the Jets are legit a team and we don't talk about this often that I think they're going to be able to transition into the next era pretty smoothly. Like, I think they're going to be competitive and still bring up a new era of, of players into this roster The like, I think they're going to have a resurgence with this core without having to make a lot of. Huge, huge moves, um, but yeah, I, I would be surprised if they don't at the very least add a defenseman. I would agree with you there. Right? They're going to add somebody. Just it might be Michael Dalzano and not Jeff Petrie or Matt Dumba. You
1: yeah, know? yeah. He's uh, Sheldon has kind of had his hands tied all season with the Buffalo situation. His hands are free now. I'm just really curious to see what he can come up with yeah so
2: I, I he is a guy I, and I know you're not saying this but I, I will just add though I do think that he's done a really good job in Winnipeg and um, I think mark chipman and, and ownership know that so uh, yeah I'd be I'd be shocked to see the move on from him because I think uh, given the circumstances and given what he's had to work with he's done as good of a job as I think anyone could really ask for with this team so mm. um, especially when it's a team who you know one of the biggest free agents they've ever lured is, uh, Matthew Perot. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, Winnipeg, I, I look at, yeah, I, I agree. I think I would have said Pittsburgh, but I think Pittsburgh's done most of what they're going to do because they don't have a lot of other pieces to move. Um, Edmonton should be thinking a little outside the box here, I think, and, and be trying to, to, to add some pieces. Cause again, as I've said, I, I have no real faith in that team. Um, You know, they barely have a positive goal differential, despite the fact they have the two leading scorers, I believe, in the NHL. And uh, that's somewhat concerning. So they should do something to shore up any other part of their team other than the top six forwards, I guess. Um, You know, they they should be doing something there. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there is a team that stands out for me as someone that I think is going to be overly aggressive. And I think that's why we're going into this deadline, not really knowing. You know, talking about how this might be the weakest deadline in years is because, you know, I don't know if anyone's gonna really go all in if this is the price to get guys. You know, the Dallas Stars might be sitting here saying we're we're happier keeping our first round pick or, sure. um, you know, and I don't really think I could fault a lot of teams for being overly patient this year. Um, the Flames are like another team where, like we talked about, I don't know if they have the money to add anyone and. Um, I think the Flames would benefit from being patient because this is a team that I think needs a needs to do a bit of a referendum if things don't go very quickly uh, here in the next few months. So, um, yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting. Um, one team I don't expect to hear much from is Nashville. Uh, and now that I've said that, I'm sure they've traded for Andre Kasha since I've been talking. Yes, definitely.
1: Yeah. Uh, just to put a nice little bow on everything, uh, Darren Drager reporting at the NHL looking into Evander Kane's social media comments uh
2: further suspension or fine could be coming if he gets suspended further i'm gonna lose it fine i'm sure but come on yeah let's go here yeah. what are we doing like fuck so like, sure. let's see some accountability it's on there joke. And, yeah unreal uh okay uh that's laced up for this week we will more than likely be back on Tuesday of next week, uh, I'm assuming, uh, I mean, we haven't discussed this yet, but I'm assuming what makes sense is to just talk about the deadline after it's happened. There's not really any point of doing a Sunday night show, being like, oh, I wonder what's hey, going to hey, happen. Hey, maybe like, this will happen like, tomorrow. Like, honestly, depending how things work out, we I guess we could record during the trade deadline and just kind of, you know. Sort of talk then. If that works out scheduling wise, we might do a, a deadline a commentary live episode.
1: Recording that'd uh, be cool as it's happening.
2: Record at like one thirty and then end at three thirty. It could work. Could work. Could work. Okay, I might have to work at four, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Maybe who okay. knows? So okay. Well, uh, yeah, I like that. Uh, follow us on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook. Uh, f- uh, find our stuff on Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Clomper uh, Portugal Radio. It was. Uh, For some reason, there was a delay of our episode coming out last week. It took a couple hours after it posted. I hope that uh, there's no issues like that in the future. And, uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. We'll see you next week.
0: I'm telling you, this place is perfect. You're going to make friends in no time. Get me out of here! Here, just eat that! Leave us alone! i could sleep i could sleep i could sleep i could sleep when i lived alone we